Hey, this is Felix Liu of Felix Comic Art. I'm a huge fan of 11 O'Clock Comics, and you're listening to the 11 O'Clock Comics Podcast. My man. <laughs> Play it where it lays. Aha. Yeah. A little golf analogy there. I am done with my DCBS order. So As am I. Am I? Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, now, are both of you, I'm sure both of you are like me. You, you get it? Well, David's not like me. This is the first time I've ever seen David do it like this early. But anyway. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, you get it in, and then you play with it all month long. Yeah, things. No. Really? Now, we've talked about this before. I, I have the spreadsheet. You don't. I do the spreadsheet. I will, the first minute the spreadsheet's available, I will go through, after reading previews, mark the spreadsheet as in, like an initial order, but I won't upload it. And then and then I'll go back a week or two later and start and upload it when I'm done. A couple months ago, I did it early, probably not as early as, as, as the 10th. But I did it early a couple months ago. But once once I do it, because I, I, I can't I, if I keep if I keep noodling with it, I'll I'll see something that you know maybe I, I want to add. I yeah, that's the joy of it. I know it's no, and 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 under normal months, listen. If if the who's who on the bus wasn't out, uh, you know what? I I was two seconds away from typing. Just order the damn thing. In, in the Slack, because you're like, oh, that's very tempting. I would really like to have that. And it's be- just order the damn thing. Just order I it. I did. Nice. That's thing. I did that. Nice. Yes, that's on, that's on there. But I had to, I had to kick a couple other things to the curb. Hmm. So that's, and I'll, I'll, I'll get them later. Either I'll find them at a con because they're, they're, they're image trades and they'll be cheap and, or I'll get them from in stock or wherever. I'm not worried about it. The guy makes uh, $250,000 a year and he can't order whatever he wants on the, on the geez, DC. What are we talking about? Hey, this is come on. Jason. Crazy. I, that's, that's, that's Jason in a month, but I'm just saying it. <laughs> yeah, that's the bonus for the year. <laughs> Smithers. I'm, no, no comment. I'm, it's, it's, yeah, we know. The, the, uh, there's, Regardless I don't know why of the ad hominem, all of a sudden y'all are talking about your little ordering, and then you, get, you throw me under the bus. Well, isn't that how it usually works? Right? I guess so. we were the only the only uh, opposite is we're doing it while you're here, as opposed to oh great, there was there was one <laughs> one there was one book that 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 was on my order, and it's I'm sure wink wink. It's in the sponsor spot, but the um, I decided tell me to you wait didn't... because it's probably going to be offered again with some extras and bonuses in tie-ins. Yeah, so I'll just, it, it, I'll is, for that it is in the sponsor, and you should have just ordered it, whatever. Well, it's only the five issues or whatever. No, it's, I'll wait for the next one. It's seven, and it's 15 bucks. Is it? Uh, I know it is, but the next one will have more issues, more more things that might make sense. And I'll 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 get that one. It's fine. It's fine. I'm not sweating it because don't forget I'm already lost because I wasn't. I was I was lost during during Dark Nights. So you know. Well, you know what, my friend, you are going to be brought up to snuff in in probably about an hour. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. Hey everybody, it's eleven o'clock comics episode seven eleven, where we bring you some slushy and yeah. some some comic stuff. And uh, I'm Vince B. Not as good as a circle. Okay, I'm David A. Price. And I'm Ben Savage. Wow, nice segue. Very right. nice. Yeah, but so, uh, th- they have no idea 
They'll why? get the joke in a month. Yeah, yeah. Well, Boy meets the, world. the mean, select few that. will get the joke in a month. But Wonder years, you know, same guy. Right. It's, yeah. You're, you're not... <laughs> you're not Ben Savage. You're Jason Wood, everybody. And guess what? What? The list of specials is up at Discount Comic Book Service. Run to the uppermost peak of your homes and scream to the heavens, Hosanna, because they're there. And I picked three of them. And I'm going to tell you all about it. From Image, this may or may not be the first time you're hearing about this. If it is, shame on you. Stray Dogs number one. By a man, Tony Fleece, with Trish Forstner. Uh, it is actually the first issue of this five-issue miniseries, Lady and the Tramp meets Silence of the Lambs. It's scary being the new dog. Sophie can't remember what happened. She doesn't know how she ended up in this house. She doesn't recognize any of these other dogs. Who are these people? She knows something terrible happened, but she just can't... She just can't recall. Wait a minute. Where's her lady? A five-issue Don Bluth-style suspense thriller by My Little Pony comic artist Tony Fleece and Trish Forstner. Stray Dogs is Lady and the Tramp. Yeah, you said that. Lady and the Tramp meets Silence of the Lambs. We got it. He's in the elevator this entire solicit. But anyway, it's three ninety nine cover price. But your price is $1.99. You're going to want to get this and then put it on your pull list. Because um, when it does come out in animated form, the first issue is going to be worth a good amount of money. That's not the only reason why you should be getting it. Because we talked about it. Tony was here. It's good comics. But I'm just saying, make an investment. Why don't you just get two? One to read, one to keep. Right? Uh, The meat in the middle is from DC. It is Dark Knight's Death Metal Deluxe Edition hardcover. Shut up. Get ready for the reality-shattering encore now in a new Deluxe Edition hardcover. Writer Scott Snyder and artist Greg Capullo, the legendary team behind uh, Dark Knight's Metal and Batman Last Night on Earth, reunite for one last tour of DC's Dark Multiverse. Really? When the Earth is enveloped by the Dark Multiverse, the Justice League is at the mercy of the Batman Who Laughs, who is reborn as Darkest Night, with a K. Humanity struggles to survive in a hellish landscape twisted beyond recognition, and Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman are trapped in a nightmare world within the dark multiverse. It all comes down to the Darkest Night versus Wonder Woman in the most metalist DC event of all time. Paving the way for the future of the DC Universe collects Dark Knight's Death Metal 1 to 7. Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, Jonathan Glapion, $30 cover price. Not bad for a hardcover of seven issues, but you're not going to pay that. It is $15. Actually, it's $14.99, but I'm rounding up. It's 15 bucks. And if what happens, if what I think is going to happen happens, you're going to want to read this. Uh, if only for issue seven. Because they're saying it's not a reboot of the DC Universe. They're, they're claiming this will not reboot anything. Um, it, it's a reboot in in a, another word. What they're going to do is everything, everything that came before is going to matter, is going to be canon, is going to be factored in to the big picture. Everything that came before. 
Okay? So get yourself the Dark Knight's Death Metal Deluxe Edition hardcover, and then you'll know what's going on in the DC Universe. Mm -hmm. Um, Not least, but last, uh, Dark Horse. We got Fear Case, number one of four, a new horrific detective series by Matt Kint and Tyler Jenkins. A no-nonsense Secret Service agent and his New Age partner investigate a mysterious hoax, uh, no, sorry, box, known as the Fear Case, which has appeared throughout history at sites of disaster and tragedy. Whoever comes into possession of this case must pass it on within three days or face deadly consequences. That's bad mojo. The agents must track down this fear case while staying one step ahead of a psychotic cult, Republicans, and the otherworldly forces behind the case's existence. Now, this is a three ninety nine miniseries. Your price? Tell them. It's not a secret. No. Oh. Three ninety nine cover price. What's their price? Seventeen cents. Oh my God! The math guy. It's a dollar ninety. Yes, it's a dollar ninety nine. That's fifty percent off. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions, and you get your books all shipped right, nice and safe and secure, right to the front door of your domicile. They are the best. DCBService.com. I would. I, I would. I would add. To that, mm, sweet. Um, to uh, to to, we should double bill, Mister Fleece, because he's also penciling Rick and Morty Worlds Part, the first issue of a four issue miniseries. Because um, there may be something happening later on in that. Series. I heard things about that book. Look at that! I heard it's the hotness. Yeah, I heard that series is going to be highly collectible. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> like like. Like, flip your punchline number ones and save <laughs> yeah, the Skrilla for, for, for eBay to get this book. Nice. Word on, <laughs> word on the screets. But the screets. <laughs> yeah. The skeets. Dude, what... Well, first of all, my brothers. Yes. It's good to talk to you. But, but before we get into business, what is you be drinking? Oh. Wow. I got a surprise. Oh, okay. I got something. It's McDonald's coffee. I'm out. Oh, stop. I got something new. Oh, boy. Uh, this, I don't know who makes this. Let's see. Um, Jumilla. Jumia. It is called a Goru Gold Red Blend. I don't know. It's the first time I've had it. It says it's, eight, a, it's a wine. I'm assuming uh, it's a red blend. So yeah, yeah. 80 percent Monastrell, fifteen percent Syrah, five percent Cabernet Sauvignon from 2017. Okay, what do you think? It says on the bottle. I don't know what this means. Ninety three <laughs> points from Wine Spectator. That means that, excellent. Yeah, Look it means, that means that Jason Jason would have would would get this. I like it. It's very good. Did you break the bank for this? No. It was on sale. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, because like we were saying a week or two ago about the wine ratings, there are a million wine ratings, but Wine Spectator is like the legit one. Like that's the... Hmm. Like, well, that's like they the, paid you know. extra to have the the Wine Spectator in gold foil, and they also paid extra 
for a special die because it's not a rectangular label it's got the 93 so it's an odd shape so they had to get a die to cut it but so i mean yeah it's a goru gold uh red blend let me hold that real quick pardon me (laughs) let me hold that real quick oh you're checking it up on your thing no i'm saying i want to hold your bottle let me let me get it let me get a little sip sounds good it is good it's very tasty so there you go well, I am uh, heading out to the Pacific Northwest mm. in a beer that is very much adorned in a label that uh, pays homage to the grunge days back when we all were. Was it flannel? It's flannel. Yes. Wow. And this is from Sea uh, Pine Brewers. One word, Sea Pine. It is the Flannel Channel Winter Ale. Big malt flavor, copper colored, zesty winter ale. It's fantastic. And it's uh, Sea Pine Brewers, Seattle, Washington. It's very, very good. Hmm, that's great. You'd like it, Vince, because you like the um, the Killians, right? I do. Yeah. Yeah, it's a red ale. I mean, but it's it's got a bite to it. It's very hoppy. Nice. Mm-hmm. D- did it speak in class today? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that the epitome of grunge? I don't know, but oh, yeah. What is the epitome of grunge? I know you're probably going to say Nirvana, but that's not the epitome of grunge for me. Not for me either. Oh, um, well, no. I mean, I think Nirvana is the most famous grunge band. But, yeah. Uh, really? Over Pearl Jam? Oh, yeah, I guess. Oh, I like, guess so. No, no, yeah, no I see, guess. Yeah. That, I mean, tough. there may be there may be more of a, a a cult status to Nirvana than there is to Pearl Jam. I, I mean, obviously, I mean, Pearl Jam's got the staying power. Obviously, they're still performing. Um, yep. But I've. I don't know. I, I guess sound. I I like Soundgarden, but I I don't really. Con- I mean, yes, they are. They should fall into the grunge category, but I really don't consider. I consider them more. Well, they uh, would be my pick. So I, I well, they're my pick too. So you're all <laughs> you're all fucked up then. <laughs> yeah. Sick. No, right, Soundgarden. Then. Yeah, right. Soundgarden to me is is the uh, Chris Cornell was the voice of that entire movement. I agree. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I don't care right or wrong. I I would definitely agree with that, and um, I do. Listen, I don't. I never turn the channel, turn the station when when you know anything from Temple of the Dog comes on. But oh hell no, a, no, no, that stays right. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Spoon uh, Man, but, uh, shut up. Spoon, Spoon. Oh yes. my god. Yeah. yeah, I do. I mean, I I can I, I can get a little weepy during Black Hole Sun, but it's it's sure. Really, yeah, yeah. I like yeah. Soundgarden's the way to go. Uh, this is a. Um, I'm also doing a little bit of a, of a blend. This is uh, Ruben and Flora. With a funky looking label. It's from 2018. It is a wine of Chile. It is um, 50% Cabernet Sauvignon and 50% Carmenere. Um, and it uh, it is it is uh, this is I've I've gotten this from uh, from the local spot a couple of times. This is my maybe um, third or fourth bottle and in as many weeks and it is it is extremely tasty it, it it pairs nicely with pretty much anything i'll um have a nice steak dinner tonight so that's what i was enjoying it with but this is uh this is definitely something that uh, that i appreciate and i keep going back to and when i see it on the shelf i grab it and times are good that's nice awesome. sweet very very good so we got business to talk about we do yeah, yeah we got a couple we got sad things, yeah. business yeah, and we got 
jaw-droppingly, potentially exciting business. Yeah. Yeah, Vince may not be too keen or in the know on... Or even care, but yes. But yes, maybe. but yeah. <laughs> I, I saw on the Slack you guys were going apeshit over Marvel announcements. Well, Disney announcements. Oh, well, yeah, okay, by, by, by proxy. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Do you want, you want to do that first and then, then save the... Um, I mean, for... yeah. Let's just let's just get that over with. I guess. Which one? The the unfortunate one. Oh well, then that is. I think we'll cede the floor to you because uh, I don't. Well, I think we I, all we all have things. Okay. Well, I was going to say we all have things to say, but but yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that in terms of the uh, the the one of us who who has the the most love for the the yeah. man and his work, it was you. But, right. Uh, yeah. Um. Well. Uh, it, it's it's I didn't think it would be difficult just to to speak, but it, it really is. It's yeah. um, because I have I had time to think about it in between um, David telling me, and I'm glad that David was the one who told me because it helps. Mm-hmm. I think it it reminded me. It, it it instantly brought me back, Vince, to and I remember exactly where I was sitting. I know exactly where I was when I got your text when um, when Leonard Nimoy passed. Yeah, and, oh, and wow. it, it was definitely it was um, it's weird. It's not like it was oh my turn to to uh, to return the favor, but it was just I I wanted to I, I I didn't want you to either get hit with nonstop Twitter right. retweets or or uh, or find it from someone who just may have just I mean I know I mentioned it to us on the slack but i yeah i wanted to um to at least i wanted to, I, I wanted to i guess break the news to you just right. so that you were so you weren't walking into a room and, and getting hit with it mm. but yeah gotcha um, um i mean no. i know that it, it it and it was it was I mean, what we were talking about is is that it was announced today by um by richard corbin's wife donna that uh that he had passed away uh earlier this month on the second mm-hmm. uh following heart surgery or during Following, yeah. following heart surgery. So, um, yeah, they, they 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 broke the news today, and everybody has been reacting to that uh, up until an hour or two ago, for the most part. Eight years old. Eight years old. Uh, yeah, nineteen forty. A nice, a nice run. Um, we we should all be so lucky, right? Um, for sure. But I mean, for me, it's uh, I always. I've, I'm kind of incredulous when 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 people get on the social medias, and and they're just like, oh, you know, thank you, artist X for for making my life better, and I and I scoff and I ridicule, and I'm like, what the fuck, these people are dead. They can't hear you. All you're doing is is you're going into a, a, a public forum and you're you're turning the spotlight from the deceased onto yourself. You're like, look at me over here. I love this guy. Now he's dead, and I want to be—I want to be part of the group that's eulogizing this man because it makes me feel like I'm part of something. Um, and and there, I, I think there's something. There, there's a very big component of grief, of of bereavement that is very selfish. My life now, without this person. Is lacking. I, you're, this person's not around anymore to give me things. 
right? I, you know, uh, Prince passed. Well, I'm not going to hear any more p- new Prince music unless it's shit that they pulled from the vault. And the same with Bowie and, and, and all, you know, all of our, the, these, these artists that managed to become something in our lives, to connect with us. And for me, Kirby, Zappa, Bowie, uh, I mean, Prince, you know, you you go down the line and, and that's not even to touch, um, mo- you know, all of the comic book artists we, we've we've lost over the years. But there's something really very selfish about saying, you know, oh, I'm 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 mourning. I mean, I'm I'm grieving for the loss of this person. Are you really grieving for the loss of the person? Or are you grieving for the loss of you're not going to get any more stuff from them? Right, and uh, I, I, maybe yeah. it's a it's a very pessimistic and 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 um, uh, acerbic just just and, and that's not it's not puppies and rainbows, right? But that's what my life is going to be different now because Richard Corbin, from the very first time I could discern what I liked and what I didn't like in this art realm, was there. Um, I was born in 65, and I think the first time I saw a Corbin work was 74, 73. So that's like, you know, eight or nine years old, around there. And and it just, it, it, it transformed me, blew me away. I was never this, and it was probably something from Warren, you know, and then from there, I, I went and, and the more I, I saw of his work, the more I wanted to see. So I, you know, dug anything at the comic shops with his name on it or something that looked like it came from him, I would just buy, right? And then I, I learned of his underground days and all those books that I really shouldn't have been reading at that time, but I bought them and they gladly sold them to me. It wasn't like it is today. Um and and I just re- developed a very very strong emotional bond with somebody I didn't even know, <laughs> you know I, I he wouldn't be able to pick me out in the lineup and but that's the way the relationships we form with these people right I didn't know Jack Jack changed my life yeah and 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 I didn't know Richard other than those those images that he would grace us with every so often. Um, and then I saw the stuff in heavy metal, and the heavy metal led to the heavy metal movie, and the, uh, then it, you know the Lovecraft stuff, and the Rat God, and all the just all the stuff that Corbin has ever done impacted me uh, super significantly. I mean, uh, again, I have felt like he's walked with me my entire life. That's weird. That's very strange. Yeah, he's a celebrity, at least in our circle, right? Um, and and I feel like I know him through his his artwork. And so to lose somebody like that, to never get another piece of new artwork from the man, makes me sad. But it's selfish. We should be celebrating all the stuff he gave us. Like, holy shit! Look at this body of work this man has it it is in a in a in a, a a category all by itself there's really not a whole lot of artists out there or past present and probably future that could ever compare with richard corbin that's just my opinion you know your mileage may vary but i'm just for me he was uh, one of the all-time all-time greats 
and and I, I'm sad that that he his family has to say goodbye to him. And I'm selfish. I'm sad that we won't be getting any more artwork from him. But I'm uh, I'm mostly grateful. But I I just want to, I mean, the whole, and and God bless, uh, or Kirby bless, I should say, because I don't believe in the former. Um, Thanks to the people that reached out to me on, on, on social media. It's like, hey, man, you know, sorry for your loss and it's and i know they mean well and i love them so much but i just felt weird right because it's not about it's not about me the the world has lost a giant and i thank them for 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 checking in and i love them right this is not me saying yeah you shouldn't have done that thank you for doing that but in in the big picture like richard corbin's gone and 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 when when people that have impact us in, in to the magnitude that our favorites have we like to think otherwise but all the stuff that they've given us over the years um all the beautiful artwork and and and, and the memories and the emotions and all that stuff right when they leave they take a piece of that with them so we can uh believe that there's not a, a give and take relationship, but the piper must be paid, right? So all of the joy that Richard Corbin gave me and others like me and over the years, when now that he's gone, you, you got to give some of that back, right? That's just the way it works. Loss, loss is 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 a feeling that is very strong, and and I, I really don't know where I'm going with this, but I'm just saying that um, it's bittersweet, right? that um these these artists they they they're making livings uh, great livings in, in some cases but there's a cost to be paid for all that enjoyment and it comes due on times like this when when they pass so just enjoy it while you got it and mm-hmm. yeah yeah i i i i hear everything you're saying and i i, I agree with a lot of it i i would say i mean one thing i think Especially at all of our ages, we've—I don't know anyone our age that hasn't had to deal with with death or loss, both on a personal level and and of people we hold up as heroes or or that we're fans of, because um, it is just part of life. And I think I remember when a, a, a friend of ours in high school committed suicide later on in his life, but he committed suicide. Um, I remember having this discussion about. Um, like some some people felt we had like our whole crew should go to the funeral. Some didn't want to because they hadn't seen the guy in you know six seven years since high school and didn't consider themselves friends anymore and thought it'd be weird and you know people got heated about what was the right approach and I, and at, at that moment I remember it always because it codified for me this realization that everybody handles death and grieving and loss differently you know and I don't know that there's really a right or wrong way so I guess the only part I, I I bristle about. I know you don't mean it in a pejorative way, but like I don't know that I view it as selfish, only because I view selfish as a as a term that it has negative a negative consequence. Um, I, I I I think the better word is personal, and and I don't think that's like wrong or fake, right? Like like I've made fun of people over the years, like because they'll it'll be like oh you know. Uh, the dog who played Benji died, and you'll see a thousand people on Twitter say, "Oh my God, my heart goes out." And it's like, I mean, I mean, it's like, oh, I mean, come on, like, 
this 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 per this character did, didn't mean that much to you that you're like you're sitting there heartbroken sobbing I'm imagining and and you're grandstanding but but like I, I think in this case though that that's like there's legitimate sadness and yes you're right it's it's selfish in the sense that the sadness is as much for your sense of loss as it is their death but again that's like I don't I don't think that's necessarily negative because. What is a per? I mean, we're going to get all meta here, but like, what is a person other than their legacy? And their right. legacy is the the impact they had on on others on the planet, right? Like, and so in a way, it's beautiful to think. Like, I think it's kind of amazing that and pick your. Unfortunately, again, we've all lost, like pick your person. Uh, Prince is a good one because I know it touched all of us. But like the fact that there can legitimately be millions of people. Uh, who are like emotionally bereft and saddened by your death is a is a is a, I think an incredible honor and testament to the way you live your life. Meaning sure. that that and, and again, like you said, I don't I, I couldn't Richard Corbin. I didn't know him personally. He didn't know me, you. But so he didn't make like a personal impact. We didn't make a personal impact on his life. But, you know, the collective of our fandom, and particularly, like, his fervent fans, like yourself, that mattered to him, I would hope. Like, I would think. Like, I, I would hope yeah. that as... And and as we learned today through um, some places, including a, a great piece that Dapp had found from Howard Chaikin, um, and I didn't know this until I read it from Chaikin, but but apparently it was well-known by his friends and family that Richard Corbin had been ill for... Seriously ill for some time. So this was not... You know, this was this was more of a when, not if type of thing. But um, but but that said, I mean, um, I, I I think that it's okay to to like to to make it personal, right? Like like, and I know what you're saying. Like, you see people pop off on the twitters and stuff, and but I don't. I guess I just don't know that I view that as as negative. If 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 you because when you when you have loss, I think it's natural for many to want to find inclusion and kind of try and dilute or spread the loss and and is there any better way to do that than like with thousands of fans that kind of coalesce together so um uh, I, like I, I don't have a problem with you not feeling comfortable doing that like at all because it's a personal thing but i don't yeah. i guess i just don't view it like in a in a pejorative manner unless again like there are extremes i mean if, if someone says you know i i i can't go on with life because richard Corbin passed away and you didn't know them okay that that i think is probably there needs to be some perspective, but but to just say you're saddened and it like affected you on a real level is, I think, totally legitimate, right? I mean, um, yeah. Well, I, I just I don't like I just don't think there's anything wrong with it. Like, no, maybe like, there's I don't not. Think you can ever be you can't be mad, or I don't think you can take umbrage with legitimate emotional reaction. Is my point. Like, I think if you suspect someone is is overhyping their reaction or overplaying their hand, okay. But if if someone's legitimately saddened by something I, I think that's perfectly like reasonable um well you know me. You know, my like, my goal is to squash the ego wherever i can no i understand I, but like and, and even with the people reaching out i mean and again you know it's how we're wired right like you're you, you i mean even though you do the show and, and i i think you have a very well-established persona from the show and and you're you're most people's favorite as dap and i know you're full of shit. um facts no. uh <laughs> um you know you hate like the attention in the spotlight, generally speaking. I do. Um, particularly in person. And like even when you've, I mean, you know, when your mom passed, I mean, you didn't want, like you didn't want those calls on that day. No. Nope. Right? Like, and and because I know because I called you and you were like, I'm good. Like, don't like, and, and again, that's just the way you're wired, right? Um, so like, 
I get it, and but you're also correct in saying that, like, I think it's beautiful that a comic creator who was 80 years old passed away, and there are people in this world who thought enough of what it might mean to you on that day right. to check in with you. Right. Like, that's and beautiful. I'm not I mad at that. I just don't think oh, it's, I know you're not, it's but necessary. Like, that is beautiful, right? Yeah. Like, it speaks to, like, an emotional quotient of how much they understand what matters to you, right? Like, and, and I think that's, um, I don't know, there's a lot of beauty in all of it, really. I mean, to be honest, I, I like, I, and maybe it's because we're getting older, but, like, I, the older I get, the more I kind of appreciate the components of 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 mourning and and i give people wide berth like i i I really do give people wide berth like if um and and the flip side holds too i mean you know i remember being um when when my when my grandmother and grandfather passed away my 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 paternal on my dad's side um i can still remember the funerals like they were yesterday but i was like seven and nine and I didn't cry, like I didn't, like it was a, it was so abstract to me in the moment, you know. And I remember like someone, like a relative, like making a comment about how they thought it was weird that I wasn't sad. And like obviously I'm 45 now, and I still remember that. And it like, it stuck with me because it wasn't that I wasn't sad, but I just I didn't cry. Like it wasn't, you know. And 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 I just think like I see that in my own life. Like when my, you know, as you guys know, my you know, Beth's Beth's mom passed away recently, and. The boys didn't particularly, I mean, the boys didn't cry at the, you know, at the, at the memorial, like they didn't. And I just, I remember when I was a kid thinking like, well, it's just, they're processing it in a different way. Like they don't, they haven't lived enough life to really even understand what this means yet. Like right. it, they'll figure it out over time. So like, I don't know, man, like I just feel like death is what it is. And I give people like a huge wide berth for how they handle it. My, uh, my wife likes to, um, remind me that people grieve in their own way yeah and, and however you you know you can't tell someone oh they didn't even cry at at you know their grandmother's funeral you don't whatever your relationship was with your grandmother or even the person that they're putting in the ground that's not that 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 doesn't mean the person closely related to that person is is supposed to react or behave the same way you do it it's like yes i i i get where vince is coming from where he's like you know i appreciate it but it's not about me it's not about you it's about the person who has left us and 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 i get that and but at the same time if someone if someone near and dear to me passed on i I would appreciate the reaching out i i you know i don't i don't think you know, yes, I, I get it. You know, when 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 Prince died, yeah, that sucks. We're not going to get. I mean, Prince is a bad example because I'm sure he's got a vault of, of hundreds of, of unreleased tapes anyway. But it it I know we're not going to get anything. We're not going to see. We're not going to be able to see him touring again. And and um, you know that that may affect people. They might be sad about that. But it's 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 all how it's how it's phrased, how how it's presented, and and um, I think in the moment people just might lose sight of that and and they're not expressing it. Um, Maybe correctly, but the uh, this this is um, there. There's absolutely no way if 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 someone were to. I mean, I remember family members dying, and 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 we would go to funerals, and, and you know, it it didn't look like uh, my brother was too broken up about it. And, or even afterwards. And, and this is, this is just the way my family is afterwards when we're all getting together and, and, and we're all, um, 
at someone's home afterwards, um, remembering the good times we've all had together. You know, I've I've got I've got aunts and my father, and they're and they're cutting up and they're making jokes. And and for some people, that might seem a bit off. Wrong place, wrong time. Because how how can you laugh at a time like this? But that's again, you can't tell somebody how they're supposed to react in these situations. So, um, you know, I I don't. I, there is no there is no wrong way. And and uh, it's it's um it's it's weird. I don't death and and funerals. It's it's a weird thing for me. Um. I've I've been to hospitals to see family members passing and 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 I've I've haven't seen family members for a long time and have only seen cousins and whatnot at at a funeral and and um you know it's a shame that some family members I have I only see them at weddings or when we're putting someone in the ground but it's it's um there was my my maternal grandmother my mother's parents my my grandfather would would go to church every saturday evening my grandmother didn't care for the church she wasn't the religious one um you know she gave him the money for she gave my grandfather the money so he could put in a collection plate but that was it you know she didn't she didn't care about it you know if 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 the priest ever came around to to check on them you know she she'd want nothing to do with them my grandfather would talk to him for a little while and that'd be it but um I'll, I'll absolutely never forget we're at the cemetery and the priest is there doing the whole ashes to ashes, dust that throws the dirt on the casket. It was a clear day, no sign of any weather whatsoever. And a wind kicked up and knocked the dirt off the casket. I, I just took it to mean as if like she was just saying, just get this shit out of me. I, I still to this, I don't can't explain it. It's just one of those things where I, I have a, um, I'm. I think by the time I'm, I, I accept or or I recognize that someone, someone has passed on, someone has died. I think, I'm not I'm not numb, but I've, I've got it's like when, my father's, mother and and she died around this time, two years ago, and and I knew. I I I, I had had time to come to terms that chances are, you know, I, I, I knew I, I'd been saying for a little while, you know, this is going to be my last birthday where she's around or, or our last Passover where, you know, we'll be able to call her and check on her. And, and so I, I'd come to terms with that. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily unexpected. It still hurt. But by the time we had the service for her and everything like that, you know, there weren't, there weren't many tears that day because I think everybody may have already been all cried out by then. And, um, it's, it's definitely, yeah. There's just there's no there's no right or wrong way to for for someone on on the outside. We're, we're not we're not related to the Corbin. So so for you know, I I can only react the way I, I'm I'm able to. I I just I, I appreciate the work he did. I knew of him through heavy metal. That was that was my introduction. And I remember ads for for Fantagore, but it was pretty much heavy metal. And and I was I was surprised to see his name attached to a Marvel book with with, with the Luke Cage miniseries. Um, 
and and I, you know, I but I picked up things like the Punisher that he worked on. I know he did a Ghostwriter book, but it, it's it's um, I don't have as long a relationship that that, that with him that, that Vince does, but um, his work was always instantly recognizable. I it it more often than not always brought a smile to my face because I just I I, I liked the look of his work and and um you know like jason said i I, many of us didn't know he was ill um so his family had time to prepare but um it it, it's still it's still a shock especially this year but it's still it it, it's still a kick and and you don't you don't want to see even though regardless of how old someone is you never want to i don't think anybody's ever ready or comfortable saying saying goodbye Yep. So what's this Disney bullshit? Hilarious. Talk about right? a bad transition. For <laughs> the segue came. There you go. Jesus. Tell me about this Disney BS. Now we'll be quick on it. We don't. I mean, I'm sure it's the talk of the whole world. But um, in fact, uh, I don't, I, today was not the best day to be the moderator of our Facebook page because we got uh, <laughs> of duplicate posts about both of these both of these subjects. Why? What happened? Uh, no, I, I just understand. I mean, um, nobody knows that the search function exists. No, right. And I will say, in the case with the Corbin news, um, the one thing I, that, that's tricky about that is, uh, you know, if you see news elsewhere on Facebook, you can click share and then share it right to the group. There's no way in doing that you would be able to know or have checked if it was already posted. So, like, I shared it, and I then I saw that like two minutes before Flippa Dippa had shared it. So I deleted mine, but then seven other people did the same. But anyway, but it, it is, and and, and it's, it's cut you off. But I mean, in situations like this, it's not like hey, you know, an expenser's writing a new spinoff Spidey book. Okay, maybe that might not have hit the group. But something like this news for either news items for today, I would think before you click that share button, maybe something as heavy as this. You could check the group first. Not it's that's fair, but I again I give people like wide birth. Day sure, they're they're trying to share something they yes. think the community cares yep. about. But either way, um, Disney tonight starting at, it was four thirty Eastern had their investor day uh, investor meeting, and the the way that normally works is these public companies will have a, an analyst day or an investor day. Um, once a year, maybe once every two years, depending. And it's a dog and pony show. They tout their business, say how things are going, uh, and then tell you what's to come. You know, and it's really about the audience in this case is 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 investors like me. It's 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 institutional investors that they want to either get to invest in their company or get to stay, right? Because you already are invested. Um, so this this has been on the schedule for a long time. Um, but this was different because because of the pandemic. Um, and, and listen, I mean, the pandemic has a trillion things bad about it. But but there are, with all things, there's there's equilibrium, there's give and take. And I mean, one of the things that the p- pandemic certainly did is it massively accelerated certain business models, and, and and not the least of which, if not the most, is streaming. Right? Like it's it's completely massively accelerated the timeline for streaming to just become a thing because of necessity. So. Uh, so tonight was like the dog and pony show for investors where Disney was going to tell us how they were doing and all their plans. But uh, but it was also the first time that the new CEO was at the helm of one of these things, Bob Chappick. 
And it also happens to be coming at the end of, or we hope to be close to the end of a pandemic when their launch of Disney plus nine months ago, um, you know, they, they had set a goal at the time when they launched the service of getting, um, you know, 60 to 90 million subscribers to Disney plus uh, by 2024. That was their goal. Well, they already have 87 million again because of the pandemic. So, so um, this was very different. Like normally these things are very dry. Like they're, they're, they're again, focused more on the investors. So it's a lot of numbers, a lot of data, a lot of, of uh, you know, business model stuff. Like this is what our revenue is going to be. This is what our margin is going to be. This is, and, and, but this was very different. This was, a, they, they, and I don't know if it was the intent when they announced it, but, but by the time it happened today, this was basically a showing off of the new Disney, which is the streaming Disney, you know, the, the Disney that is from the ground up built about streaming. And they just, it was like a bukkake of information. They just deluged the world for four hours with specific content that they are going to be releasing on streaming over the next, uh, you know, four years. And, and it was just astounding. I, I mean, um, I mean, anyone that thought that Disney would have trouble competing with Netflix in terms of content, um, that's no longer a worry. <laughs> <laughs> Disney's all in. I mean, they are going to stretch their muscle. And just to put like a finer point on it, their their goal, okay, is to have a hundred or more streaming co- uh, original programming per year, like like so one hundred new shows and films. On Disney Plus per year, that is their goal, and and that's so that's two a week. That's that's an incredible amount of content, um, and yeah, so everybody's a buzz about it because we just like I said, we just got deluged, and 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 you know they broke it up through there's there's the Disney, the Pixar, the the animated, the Nat Geo, Hulu, FX, and then of course what probably most of us care about most is the Star Wars and and the Marvel, and uh, you know some of the things were were things we already knew about or were rumored. Um, that they put more flesh in the bone, like say the uh, the Ewan McGregor Obi Wan show that we knew was in the works, but they made that official. Or the Wandavision and Falcon and Winter Soldier shows, which were announced at launch and then were delayed because of COVID. But there were tons and tons of new stuff, and um, it's 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 going to be jaw dropping. If you're a geek and you like Star Wars and you like Marvel, it's it's going to be a continuation of this halcyon time we've had. Um, you know, we're all old enough that, that the idea of seeing any of these characters on screen was a dream. And, and now we're, we're going to just, it's going to be nonstop. There's going to be an unending supply of this stuff. And look, some of it will hit, some of it won't. Some will be amazing. Some will be mediocre. Some probably won't be that great. Some will, you know, some of it people will, like any individual person will really care about and others they won't give two shits about. But like the important thing is that there's going to be so much of it. It's such a wide array, a way of array of things that like it's there's got to be something that appeals to any any geek, I think. So, just incredible. I, I just um, and and just to give you a sense of like how big they're going, they have uh, <clears throat> they have 137 million subscribers currently, and that's that's including that's the 87 million for Disney Plus, and then the other subscribers are for Hulu and ESPN. Well. <laughs> They have now, I mean, that was like their goal by 2024, so already added. So they have now set a new goal of 300 
to 350 million subscribers by 2024. Like the size of the United States. <laughs> like like that is that is the population of the United States. So uh, it's it's crazy, man. They're going big, going big. It's going to be geek extravaganza. I hope people still find time to read comics though, because there'll be a <laughs> lot of stuff to watch. <laughs> we got to find out where where these TV shows are getting their material from, anyway. So yeah, read the comics. Get there. First. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true to an extent, I guess. But yeah. Well, what was some of the the comic book related things that they announced? Because it looks really big, but all I saw was. The Secret animated is, What Se- If series, yeah. So, so like, well, the big news for Marvel were um, Secret Invasion, hmm. which is going to be a show with Sam Jackson, um, Ironheart, which nice. is of course the the Riri Dominique Thorne, uh, Armor Wars, which stars John, Don Cheadle as nice. uh, as War Machine. So, those are all three shows that we didn't know about that are going to be joining WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and Loki. Uh, like Dap said, there's the animated What If, which we already knew about. Uh, there's Miss Marvel, which we we also knew about, but is is official. And then Hawkeye, which which is already it's being filmed. We've been we've been seeing they've been leaking photos of that, starring uh, Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld, and uh, she looks fantastic by the way, as Kate Bishop. She does. Um, interestingly, they confirmed the She-Hulk show, which I know Dap and I were excited about when it was leaked that Tatiana Maslany was going to be She-Hulk. And then there was this weird thing where they kind of like, no, I don't know if that's actually going to happen. It's not confirmed. Her people said, well, no, it's like she's that's not necessarily true. So then it kind of went away because no one knew if it was BS or not. But it was confirmed that um, that that show is happening. And Mark Ruffalo is going to be a um, going to be a uh, uh, a guest, you know, a, a supporting member of that, too, which is cool. Uh, a Moon Knight show, just what the world needed. Um, an I Am Groot uh, cartoon um, and a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special and then they on the movie side they effectively just as I see it confirmed the film slate we already knew which was uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp 3 well Ant-Man 3 uh, Vince Fantastic 4 they confirmed so we're going to get the we're going to get an actual MCU right, Fantastic right, 4 right finally um and then the rest were things that we actually, money of which we've already seen by now if it weren't for the pandemic. Black Widow, which they're still going to do theatrical next year. Shang-Chi, theatrical. Eternals, theatrical. Uh, Doctor Strange 2, Thor 4, Black Panther 2, Blade, Captain Marvel 2, and Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Um, side note that I thought was cool, um, you know, a small blip in the grand scheme of all this, but I thought from a karma perspective, cool. They're not going to recast T'Challa. Right. Um, so Chadwick Boseman, they're going to honor his, his passing, and, and yeah. so whatever we T'Challa has come and gone, which I respect. I think that's, that's I think that's the right way to do it. Yeah, uh, yeah. There was uh, the one one bit of news, which I think there was speculation earlier in the year, because I believe they had confirmed that um, that Gore, the God Butcher, was going to be shown but vince they are they they have cast christian bale to play yes. well he's got the voice down <laughs> <laughs> putting his batman aside i think christian bale is an incredibly good actor absolutely yes, he's, he's absolutely yeah. yeah and then on the um on the star wars side uh um, oh yeah 
there's the Obi-Wan show, which, which again, was, was already understood, but it's official now with Ewan McGregor, is, of course, as, as Obi-Wan, and Hayden Christensen, and everybody's excited about that, returning as Darth Vader. Um, the, they're expanding the Mandoverse, so Favreau and Filoni, who have been helming the Mandalorian, are going to be helming Rangers of the New Republic and Ahsoka. And Ahsoka is, in fact, going to be Rosario Dawson in an ongoing series of her own as the character, which is fucking great. That's badass. She's the um, COVID-19 of genre films. She really is. She's, like, freaking in everything. She is. She is. And I was not excited when they announced she was going to be Ahsoka because I thought, damn, like, hadn't we just gotten over her being in every Marvel show? But but I got to be honest, she was perfect as a She really was. Absolutely. Like, perfect. So I'm, I'm, I'm about, about it now. Um Andor, which is a, um, I forget the gentleman's name, but the star of Rogue, Rogue, uh, of Rogue One, it's it's a show that takes place featuring that character. Um, star Wars The Bad Batch, which I can't wait for. That is going to be uh, a follow-up, another cartoon uh, that uh, part of the same Clone Wars Rebels universe. The, uh, the Bad Batch are a group of, of clone troopers who were misfits um, and, and were kind of cast off, but they become this badass mercenary group. Um Later on in the in, in the timeline, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Star Wars Visions, which I think you dig, Vince. It's uh, it's a bunch of uh, prominent uh, anime studios uh, and artists in Japan who were given carte blanche to do short stories uh, in the Star Wars mythos okay. of their own design. Um, the Lando show, which we knew was coming. Uh, a show called The Acolyte and a show called A Droid Story. So, and, and then on the film side. Um, not probably not what everybody was hoping to hear, but we won't have a new Star Wars film theatrically until 2023 in December, and that'll be uh, Rogue Squadron, which will be directed by Patty Jenkins, who's been directing the Wonder Woman films. Uh, and then we are going to get a new Indiana Jones franchise. Uh, Harrison Ford will be in them, I guess, as long as he's still alive. Uh, and um, and then Children of Blood and Bone, which is a, a novel that they're turning into a feature film. So, yeah, so, you know, tons of stuff. Basically, the, the headlines were 10 new Marvel shows, 10 new Star Wars shows, 15 Disney Pixar shows, and 15 movies. Like, that was the, that was the headline of the, of the day, so. Nice. I'm glad you all are happy. You're so <laughs> cute. You're watching uh, The Mando now. You like I know, movie. yeah. I know, it's fun. Yeah, but great. It, it's it's a fun show. I'm enjoying it. I'm only up to episode three, but uh, you know, I think it's very well done. I don't know it what is. else. To, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. All right, John Favreau. It's 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 just so man. Things like success in 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 creative endeavors. It's it's so remarkable how much it's both talent and luck, right? Because yeah. I was telling uh, Dap and uh, the North Carolina boys and Vander, uh, we were talking on that on that chat we have that uh, the uh, the toys that made us people on Netflix who then did the movies that made us have a new series out the holiday movies that made us and the first one was about elf so I popped it in and I mean I didn't know a lot about it like I didn't I didn't know much about really anything about the making of elf and uh, it's remarkable back then like it was we see it now and it's classic and everybody watches every year and, and and it's got all these mega successful people involved but but when when Favreau was picked to direct it it was a massive long shot people are like who and 
same thing with Will Ferrell. He had not been a star yet. The only movie that had hit the theaters before they cast him was uh, was Night at the Roxbury, which is a giant flop. So, oh my God, really? This yeah. was even before uh, uh, Old School. Yeah, so so he had filmed Old School already. It hadn't come out though. So oh, okay. once okay. so they cast him, had trouble getting the movie greenlit because they were like, Will Ferrell, he's not a leading man. And then Old School <laughs> came out, <laughs> and suddenly it was like, oh shit, you have a Will Ferrell movie? Let's get this done. So. Um, <laughs> But the point is, is like Favreau was a compl- like you know, I mean, that yeah. wasn't that long ago. You know, yeah. Elf was what, like twelve, thirteen years ago? He should maybe fifteen. He should really thank Courtney Cock for dumping his ass. <laughs> You're so stupid. Like, <laughs> we're friends. He was the MMA fighter. And she had to dump him because oh, was- that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. And oh, there was a Howard Stern. You know, if you explain it, it's it loses its potency. But there was yeah. a Howard Stern thing in there too, because Howard Stern always called her Courtney Cock. Yeah, that's the other. Uh, that's the other big news of the week is that uh, Howard Stern has resigned for another five years. Wow. Yeah. What else is he going to do? Wow. True. Hundred million a year. Nice. Jesus, fuck. It's a lot of money for being. They still have subscribers for that much? Wow. <laughs> yeah. So do they have like 30 million subscribers? Holy shit. Yeah. We did a little exercise um, on the slide. <laughs> Segway. Yeah, yes, nice. Dude, you're, you're not doing segues tonight. <laughs> no. I, got no. I have no patience at all. We, uh, he's like, no, we got to get the show. We did a little exercise. Um, Jason was feeling another list. He's like, people love lists. Let's do another list. I said, okay, what are we going to do? And ultimately, we came up with, and I, correct me if I'm wrong in my phrasing of the, the, the list, but it's it's our, I don't want to call it a top five because then it gives well, some. You made the, it was your idea. I did. I did. <laughs> but So I'm going to call it this. I'm not going to call it top five. But it is a, it is a five-item list right. of some of our favorite love at first sights. And what does that mean? Well, it means the books that made us instantly fall in love with artist and or writer X. Yes. You picked Correct. it up, you opened the cover, you or you or you looked at the cover and you're like, "Oh my goodness, this person has completely won me over forever ever and ever and I love them." And exactly. I will follow them wherever they go in, exactly. the, in the comic book yeah. megaverse. So we, we, we each picked five. I cheated. I have one that's a twofer. Cheater. I'm sorry. Um, you want me just to start off with one of them? Why not? You seem to be in a rush. Let's get this done. I'm not in a rush. <laughs> I just wanted to. You your travels, apparently. I, you know, sometimes <laughs> you just have to, you have to flip the record over, right? Hear what's on the other side. Um, in no particular order, one of my five is, um, and it it's a little uh, iffy which one I saw first, because one came out cover date August 1974, which would mean obviously summer of 1974. The other one came out in May of 1974. Well, that's the cover date, May of 1974. But the way um, cover dates work, we all know that they. Cover dates are almost no indication of what month they actually came out in. So the August could have come out in um, June. The May could have come out in March. Who knows? It could have actually come out in May. I don't know. So there's a little discrepancy as to which one I saw first. But in any rate, it's Mike Plug. And my first 
exposure to Mike Plug was either Planet of the Apes number one, which is August 1974. Like I was nine years old when this came out. It was the perfect book at the absolute perfect time. So you got Munch and Conway's Terror on the Planet of the Apes. New characters in the Planet of the Apes universe? What? Alexander and Jace? Who are these people? And wait a minute. You got hooded gorillas beating the shit out of humans? Uh, I didn't understand it at the time, but, you know, you you had... There was a very, very heavy um, racism uh, content in Terror on the Planet of the Apes. But the point I'm trying to make, it was illustrated by Mike Plug, And the man just totally bamboozled me. Like, it was one of those things where you open the book, you look at the artwork, and it's like, to me, being nine years old, this is the greatest thing I have ever seen. Hooded gorillas, running humans, all in the Planet of the Ape universe, which I love so much. And the other book is May 1974, Man-Thing number five, which was the first, I believe Man-Thing number five is the first Mike Plug Man-Thing. And it's the Night of the Laughing Dead. I'm sure you've seen it. Um, there, there's a, a clown. In, in, there's not the only clown in my list either. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there's a clown character who has since passed on. And, and you know, just get it and read it. But what the, the, the big uh, hullabaloo here is Mike Pluke. And it could have either been Man-Thing number five or Planet of the Apes number one. Your mileage may vary as to which one I, I actually picked up first. But um, if I had to pick between the two books, which one in the rearview mirror, speaking of Pearl Jam, had more impact on me, it would definitely be Planet of the Apes number one. That book has burned itself into my, <laughs> my brain over the years. And it's one of my all-time favorite uh, pieces of paper that I ever spent my hard-earned grit money on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, nice. Ah, uh, any of you have any Mike Plug? Oh man, um, not I, I. Just whatever I would see in any sort of reprint here or there. Uh, I recognize his work, but he wasn't somebody that. Um, and back then, they didn't have names on the covers, so. Uh, yeah. in, in any in any anthologies or anything, I would stumble across his name and his art. But um, no, there. I mean, aside from the the, the man thing, essential uh, or any any magazine I may have picked up over the years. But um, yeah. I can't. I couldn't tell you the first Plug story I've I've read. Right. But then um, there was no internet for all you youngins. So if you, if you liked an artist, you actually had to go to a comic book shop and say, hey, I like this Mike Plu guy. Do you have anything else by this man? And in that way, I discovered Ghost Rider and Werewolf by Night. Yeah. And Frankenstein Monster. Um, the, the, the timeline's a little hazy. They may have came um, post and or pre, but long story short... Um, the comic book uh, proprietor was indispensable in fueling your obsession back then. You, you needed those people in order to tell you where to go next, because they're they're uh, or or the the fandom 
uh, journals that were out at the time. There was only a very, there was a very limited number of resources from which you could uh, uh, pick to to find these guys. And I mean, when you're young and ignorant, you don't know that Mike Plug uh, was a, an acolyte of Will Eisner. And like now, you look at it and you're like, holy shit, he's like the horror version of Eisner. The the work is almost exactly the same. But you didn't. I didn't know that as a kid. Right, it's, it's, it's the wonderful journey that we're on through comics. You learn things, and now I know. But back then, you, I was young and, and ignorant and stupid, and just saw these beautiful uh, horror illustrations and the muck and the the disgusting crap that was going on. And in Man Thing, I was hooked forever. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Go. No, I was going to say. I mean, for me, probably. The, I mean, like much later than that was like probably about as odd. Cross Gen. But uh, and then and then once reprint once the reprint market got hot, then I yeah I mean I've I've seen a bunch of his his earlier early seventies Marvel stuff, but but yeah I mean he wasn't a, he wasn't like a important figure to me uh, like in, until retro, retroactively you know so so you're you talk- old Vince you, you old as fuck you're talking about that Abadazad thing yeah mm-hmm. ah gotcha yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the first time I remember. Like, I remember reading something probably like from him that was current. Is what I'm saying. You know? Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not, not probably not a creative high water mark for him. That's cute. Yeah, it's yeah. cute. Um, I'm I'm going in alphabetical order because this is not this is not ranked um, from top to least favorite of the five this is um and and it's weird because obviously there there are artist writers i thought of and then quickly realized they didn't make the cut because if if these are our you know to the ends of the earth write or die then um obviously i can't have john Byrne on here because i haven't read anything new from him in in years so um well, he's somebody who, before the end of the 90s, was somebody that I would definitely check out. I mean, I fucking bought Wonder Woman because, you know, and, and he kind of, he didn't exactly do great things for the character when, when, when he took over. But, um, you know, it, it's so thinking about the list, thinking about who, who would make the list. And um, I know that... Uh, there could have been a bunch of newer creators in the past five, 10, 15 years that are still working today that I, I, I could probably take the easy way out. But I, I went about it from thinking about when I first came across somebody off the spinner rack and, and what I would constantly buy when I saw their name on it. And, and, and a couple of names on this list aren't active, uh, as active um, as they once were, but one one artist that um i saw his work in this mini series which was originally a one shot um and then i followed two other books throughout marvel and dc is mark bright and when he um i i bought that falcon mini series paul smith did the first issue unfortunately by vince coletta but mark bright 
came in for issues two, three, and four. And I enjoyed those three issues. They were inked by Mike Stovich and, and um, obviously Bright's work. He definitely improved as years went on with um, on Iron Man during the, uh, when, when Stain took over Stark Industries and, and I, you know, I was with him with uh, when he finished uh, when, when um, Paramount and Iron Fist wrapped up, he, he was on the last 10 or so issues of that. Uh, I, I followed him to DC where he drew Emerald Dawn and, and he did the, um, the John Stewart issues of, of the relaunch Green Lantern. Um, and then of course he drew icon for milestone. Um, but Mark Bright just had this, this this style he was he, he he was for me he was close to uh in my eyes he was a fantastic marvel artist but i think the way he drew the way he drew action the way he drew superheroes be it for marvel or dc there was just something about um his line work that i was just i it it, it always put me in a good place i uh, i mean obviously because the characters, the, the the stories he's drawing, whether it's Falcon dealing with dealing with thugs and 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 gang members, or he's you know Icon, where where Rocket's dealing with um, with you know teenage sex, and you have uh, you know, John Stewart dealing with, with with some issues. I mean, there's there, there's a there's a theme here. There, there, there seems, he, he seems to be uh, like Priest, maybe, maybe typecast, or hey, you know, we've got some black people in this book. Maybe we'll get you know a black artist. And uh, but the stories he's drawing, even though they're they're all full of superheroes, there are some uh, serious themes. But the the work he would do, the way he would draw, whether it's Captain America, whether it's Iron Fist, I I I I, I really like the, the fluidity. In his line, his his um, when I was when I was younger, I, I still do it today. But when I was younger, I would always, especially Spidey. It's probably one of the reasons why I always enjoyed Ramita Junior on on Spider Man. But um, I always love watching. I love following the character as they're bouncing around the page when 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 they're they're colored lighter to show you you know the action where they were as they're jumping around the panels. I always love wa- following seeing how they bounce or, or, or seeing how the fight's choreographed. And um, there's there's a page in, in the Falcon miniseries where Captain America's doing that and, and or, or Falcon is, is flying as, as he's trying to catch Electro. I, I've always just really liked Bright's work. And, and I know um, he was drawing a comic strip for a little while, but I have not... Um, I... You know, at least with with, with Daryl Banks, you'll still see him. His name, he was at Heroes a couple of years ago. You'll you'll still see him pop up from time to time. But I have not seen anything comic related uh, with Mark Bright's name in a long time. But but yeah, for while he was active, I mean, even with Quantum and Woody, it's like it doesn't didn't matter what what the concept was. Who the he, he's definitely he was definitely a creator that I would follow, regardless of whatever he was going to be drawing if, if he was if if he was going to end up on a um on some cockamimi character that i didn't care about or never read about um him drawing it would definitely 
get me there to uh to buy the issue without a doubt so yeah my mark bright is is uh without a doubt somebody i i, I think about fondly i think about often uh wish he was still busy today because aside from that that quantum and woody reboot from a few years ago um I wasn't doing much before then, and I don't think he's done much since then. But he is—he's somebody that uh, I definitely, definitely follow from uh, project to project. That's a goddamn deep cut to start us off. I mean, deeper than legit. blue, really? Yeah, I think so. Okay. No, okay, all right. No, I take your word for it. No, I mean, I mean, I think Mark Price is the shit too. But I'm like you said, he hasn't been that active. I mean, he's so. yeah, exactly. Yeah, Which yeah. is why I guess it's easy for me to say, yeah, you know, I'm I'm there no matter what he does. Because right. if you ain't doing nothing, then I can't, <laughs> I can't follow you there. But you know, I'd be there sure. if you were. Well, I def- and I definitely follow the same self-imposed rule as you in that, um, like if we were to just do a rapid fire throughout creators, I'm sure we all could just throw out books that we think were seminal for us in terms of when we started to love them or, or remember them. But I really did try and hold it to creators that I legit do at least try everything that they do, right? Um, and, and and enjoy it, right? So, like you said, like like Burns a great example of same thing, like right? Like we're not we're not exactly crushing Burns stuff in the last decade. Claremont's another one, right? Like I, yeah, I mean, of course Claremont back then, but I I, I like actively avoid Claremont books now, <laughs> like I don't like, you know. <laughs> No, I'm just saying, like, right? So, so I think if you kind of fall off, a, 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 then it doesn't count. But anyway, um, so do you guys have a uh, have any bright connections? I know, I, I know, this was probably one part where Vince was like, "Yeah, if I got nothing nice to say, then I'll just I'll just keep moseying along." But I don't well, know. So, I mean, similar to you, I mean, I, I definitely read the Falcon miniseries. Sure. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm I'm I, I given his relatively modest. Uh, um, and I figure with the connection to Priest, you, you, you'd be reading Yeah, I was going to say, right, re- relative to his modest bibliography, I feel like I've read most of his stuff, or at least a, I mean, you know, a good majority of it. Um, yeah, I, I, it, like you said, he's someone who I wish we saw more of. That'd be great. Um, I'll, I'll go for, I mean, for me, um, and my five names are not going to surprise anybody that's a regular listener of the show. Because, again, like, I, I, don't, I don't know that there are too many creators that i would say count for me that that i just will follow them at least to the point of trying everything that they do doesn't mean i'm gonna love it all the time but i will try it um uh, so I'll, I'll give you an artist first and that's mateo scalera no surprise there uh, i i am a massive fan of the man's work proud to own a bunch of his art and really the 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 seminal thing for me that that made me a lifer was uh, secret avengers um was a big Rick Remender fan already. Rick was doing his thing at Marvel, trying to kind of break into the big two. He was doing that book and, and, and secret Avengers was a quirky book it came. I think the first volume started in 2010, went through 2015. Um, Rick was not the first writer on it. Uh, there were a bunch of writers, Warren Ellis included, but, but uh, Rick was the last writer. He wrote the last volume and uh, it was my favorite of the group. It was this quirky group of characters, um, agent venom, Captain Britain, Beast, Black Widow, um, you know, a bunch of, bunch of others kind of like come, came in and out. Um, Ant-Man, you know, just the like, but, but it was, it was a fun kind of quirky group, Valkyrie. Um, and Art Adams is doing the covers and I was already reading the, like I said, I was already reading the series and for a while, Gabe Hardman was, was actually doing the art and I had some pages from that, from that. Um, but but then Teo um, took over in issue 29 of volume three 
and was the penciler for issues 29 through 37, which is the final issue. And it was just a perfect, like a Petri dish because I was already reading the book. I was, I, I was a fan of Remender's. I, I liked Remender's take on it. And it was this collection of characters that probably meant more to me than the average reader. And that I love Hank McCoy. I love Captain Britain. So it was fun to see them together. And then in the arcs that Taya was involved in, he ended up drawing Taskmaster and the Servant Society. So I just remember being so thrilled, like geeking out over this quirky C-list book at Marvel that was giving me these esoteric villains that I adored fighting these characters that I really liked, but don't normally team up. So it's just this fun, almost like a cannonball run of Marvel at the time. Like, I'm like, holy shit, like all these characters. And he just put it down on the page and it was a very action centric book. I think you read some of it, Dap. Like it was very action centric. Mm-hmm. And it was like a big action movie. And I just was in just blown away by his line. And, and then they met doing that book. And that is what got them to become friends and decide to do black science, of course. And the rest is history. But uh, but yeah, I mean, after seeing that, and, and in fact, that's actually, that book is the f- reason that I first came to know uh, Jason Schachter at Essential Sequential, because he repped Teo. And um, for my 40th birthday, so six years ago, I bought myself a birthday present. I bought a double page splash from Secret Avengers. Um, of uh, It's a scene of, of all of these villains standing together and on a two, two, you know, like a DPS and, um, and again, you see all the Serpent Society, and you see Tasman. It's just this great, great scene. And uh, yeah, I just so ever since he's just one of those things where I saw his line work and thought, my God, this guy's incredible. And I don't think I've ever, at least not to my knowledge, I don't think I've at least not intentionally ever skipped an issue he's ever drawn since. So that's a good one. Good choice. Thank you. Nobody can fault you for having the good taste to recognize the brilliance of Matteo Scalera. It's true. Um, all I have to say for my next choice is Kirby bless Dennis Kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, th- there's, there's, uh, history, printed history for the, uh, the genesis behind Marvel and Dennis Kitchen's comics book number one. One of my all time favorite issues. You've heard it a bunch of times. Blah, blah, blah. I know. Um, and one of the reasons why, the, probably the main reason why it's one of my favorite issues of all time is because of Art Spiegelman. And uh, comics book number one, uh, October 1974, there's a very, very narrow window in all my choices. It goes from um, November 73 to April 75. These are the books that whacked me in the side of the head. And, of course, comics book number one did because of Art Spiegelman. And the story is called Ace Hole Midget Detective. Uh, Spiegelman plays with the language of comics like none other I've seen to date. Um, I've talked about it. Each character is introduced. Like when they used to, uh, in comics, they would introduce a character in a little cameo and say, you know, the doctor. And you'd get a picture of the doctor. But... Um, Spiegelman introduces the characters by the mark-making technique he used to render them. 
whether it was a brush or a pen. Uh, and it's amazing. It's just a psychedelic mindfuck that I didn't know how much it twisted me as a child of, of nine years old. Um, but it obviously did because this is one of the stories that I have never, ever let go of over the years. Uh, the whole issue, right? We're talking Kim Deitch, Skip Williamson, Trina Robbins, Howard Cruz, Justin Green, John Pound, uh, Flip the Bird. Like, it, it, it's, it's an amazing lineup. It, it just, it mystifies me that it even got printed at Marvel to begin with. But the Spiegelman ace hole is just amazing on uh it's one of those stories that could be studied uh like zach's class if you wanted to try and nail down the language of sequential art and what it is that comics does as opposed to all the other types of of uh media it's it's amazing it's just one of those stories that it's 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 unparalleled in, in, in sequential art. And that just came in, in comics book number one. So I, I didn't know at the time who this Ark Spiegelman guy was. What, whatever, right? And then um, Mouse, what? So, yeah, <laughs> it's, I think he was going places. But for my money, you guys know I love Mouse, right? Ace Hole does more things to me than Mouse does. Yeah. I do love my Art Spiegelman. <laughs> That's great. And it's great. It was like a time-release uh, agent where it infected me at a young age, stuck with me, and as I grew, the story grew with me. That doesn't happen every day. There, Because there are things in this story. There, there are approaches to delineating a narrative that totally escaped me as a kid. I didn't have any idea what some of this stuff was. Like, why is Picasso a fish? Who is Picasso? I was nine, right? Uh, but as my brain expanded, as I grew, the story expanded with me. And it, that's very, very rare, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, Art Spiegelman. Speaks. Yeah. Oh, um... Yeah, Spiegelman for me, I found later um, through things written about him in in, in um, Fantagraphics magazines and things like yeah, that. I, yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't really. Um, I mean, I knew he did Mouse, but I wasn't. I, I obviously I didn't, I read it, so um, I hadn't seen too much of his his sequential work. But now that, I mean, I have issues of comics book. I should maybe you know take the time and, and, and enjoy those I don't want to say this out loud but the only one you really need is the first one I and mean I it, it's all great but that first one god damn oof supernova yeah I'm pretty sure you were the one I bought it yep uh, my second one is is definitely someone who um, I I I love the man's work. I've 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 seen him ink himself. I've seen Paul Neary ink him, and and for my money, he is never better than when Mark Farmer inks him. Alan Davis blew my doors off with Batman and the Outsiders. It was is because the series started with Jim Aparo, um, 
then there was a um, there there were when before shortly uh, not quite two years after the series started um, there was uh, there was like an anthology issue with with, with a couple of artists and then um, Alan Davis came on uh, with with maybe somewhere in the early twenties and. Um, I was buying Batman and the Outsiders constantly, and and I was happy with 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 the art change. I love I love Jim, but um, but Davis just there was something dynamic about it. It was it, it the line work was awesome. I like the slight tweaks he did uh, with um, with Black Lightning, with, uh, with 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 Katana. He he um, changed uh, her appearance a little bit for, for Tatsu the way uh, the way Paro drew her. Um, his metamorpho was fantastic, but, um, issue 27 had an awesome cover where our heroes are in space fighting Cobra with a K, the, the DC villain, uh, and, and his army. And, and that entire issue was just uh, to, to see our heroes infiltrate and, and thwart, um, Cobra's attempts at taking over the Star Wars satellite at the time, because this is this is the eighties. This this, this this issue has a um, has a publication date, has a cover date of November eighty five. So you're talking the summer of eighty five, um, and and Mikhail Gorbachev is in the issue. But just just seeing the Batman and 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 Katana taking on. Um, the bad guys and and i mean little little subtle things like like there was a there's a cobra lackey who was trying to sneak up on batman and batman kind of while while, while he's doing something else he just you know elbows the dude in the face and the way the way davis just drew that panel i just it it when i was going through issues to um to get pages for for the gallery i was flipping through them and and uh and some just instantly took me back to um when I was younger and, and reading them right off, right off the, uh, the rack at the time. And there's just, it, it's, it's when, when Davis then left Batman, the outsiders, I followed him to detective comics. Cause I saw you, you instantly know Davis art. So when he's drawing the covers, um, I'm there and, and he took over for detective comics for a few issues following the legends, uh, tie in issues and his uh his version of of catwoman in the older costume with the somewhat of a skirt look before the uh the cat suit outfit um and and he he drew the first chapter or two of year two before mcfarland took over and then that's when davis left dc to i mean that that's not why davis left but davis had left dc to go work at marvel and that's when todd came to to finish that arc but uh once once davis went across the street practically and and was drawing x-men annuals and then excalibur it's like whatever alan davis was drawing um i was definitely there so much so that even clones like brian hitch i would buy their books because it just looked like Davis drew them. And uh, I, you know, it's, it's, he's still somebody, I mean, you know, then he went back to DC to do the nail. And I mean, and, and another, and I just, he did the mess, the phantasm. Um, he did the full circle prestige one shot. 
which was a um, a sequel to Year Two, uh, and of course that they turned into the movie Mask of the Phantasm. And then of course now Tom is using that in the Batman Catwoman miniseries. But the um, Alan Davis is just somebody who, yeah, if if he's definitely like 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 Jason with with Matteo, if if I see his name attached to something, I am without a doubt trying it out. Chances are I'm gonna stick with it, but but by all means, and even even when you know as as fun as Excalibur was, there were times where it was getting a little silly. But fuck it, Alan Davis is drawing it, and then he started writing it. But Alan Davis is drawing it. I'm I'm sticking with it. There's no doubt. He's he's definitely a case where. I will stick out a story or stick out characters I may not be enamored with because of the person working on them. And uh, Alan Davis is, is without a doubt somebody that I will, I will always, my ears will perk up. If I see his name in a solicit on something, it's, it's, uh, it's an instant buy. I, I love the man's work. I uh, cannot get enough of it and uh, wish we got more of it. And Couldn't who, agree more. And who created a, uh, <laughs> Cobra? You know the answer. Oh, just... shoot. Yeah, I do. I do. Mm. Oh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, the god of comics? Oh, did he really? Yep. Jack yes, Kirby created did. Cobra. Yes, Yeah. Yep. All day. That, it's, it's like the what might have been, right? Like if Davis hadn't had the kerfluffle with his editor and left DC, we would have never gotten Excalibur and then... Would he be Alan Davis? Mm, I think so. I think it'd still be Alan Davis because don't forget. I mean, he still had. I mean, not that that was anything to hang your hat on, but I mean, he he did the Captain Britain with 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 yeah, before. So, I mean, he sure. was he was. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. he was a name. I mean, it may may it, would it may have taken him longer to be established, or you know, would he just be somebody like we may think of like the the, the Rebellion, the two thousand eighty artist, or you know, I mean, or, we or know he could have been a, a force at DC, right? Like he could have, we could yeah, be like could oh, Alan Davis, just you know, redefined uh, Green Lantern, he, for, right? Like we right. Just don't, yeah, he could have, he could have done his own, like you know, they, they could have tacked one of the uh, the events on him, and and yeah. then it would have blown up. But yeah, that was all over a gun. He 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 got in a fight over with his editor over the gun that he drew from Joe Chill. Oh man! Because the editor asked him to draw a giant gun, so he drew a giant gun, and then Mazzucchelli came out in Batman, and it was a regular, like a little shoot short short pistol, right? And they said, "Oh, you got to redraw the gun," and he said, "Fuck that! You asked me to, you specifically asked me to draw this gun. I'm not redrawing it." And then he quit. <laughs> so, so that's what I say. Like it's funny. Like what might have been, right? I'm certainly grateful that it worked out the way it did. Oh, yes. So, and that was early McFarlane, but he had done Infinity Inc. before that, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that was, his, that was his first DC work. Yeah. But no, I'm with, I mean, you know, Alan, Alan Dave, I, he's not on my top. He's not in, in this list I have, but but Alan Dave is absolutely someone Some that are I, just a given. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, And I will agree with you. I would say fairly often enough because he doesn't really, he hasn't really cut his teeth on the long run in a long time. Like, it's not always great stuff anymore. Like his part is great. I mean, like he he always puts it down. But like it's not like the stories he's drawn in recent years have been incredible every time out um, from a writing perspective. But uh, but yeah, he always he always gets it done visually. Um, all right. Well, my number two is uh, we'll go to a writer artist here, uh, and that's Jeff Lemire, and uh, probably a little bit more um, 
in line with consensus on this one than say my Mateo pick would, because I'm sure for most people for Mateo would be black science, but um, for Jeff, it's Essex County. I mean, his first, his first, well, his first, you know, major published success. It wasn't his first book, but, uh, but it was the first one that kind of broke out. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how to say that much more about it. I mean, that's really what put him on the map. It was, a, uh, he wrote Druid and it was uh, by top shelf. Chris Starr was, he was part of that. I mean, that was a, probably the, like the, just an incredible time for Staros, right? He had him and Kent and um, just a bunch of creators at the time doing their first work that just were would go on to be you know top tops of their of their generation. But uh, I loved Essex, Essex County, and, and I um, I got to give credit to the CGS guys because that was back when we were all hanging out, listening to their show on their forums. But like they were big fans of it, and uh, they had uh, Jeff on. It's probably his first interview, his first podcast, I'm sure. And it sounded great, and he sounded cool, and um, and yeah, I just devoured it. And uh, I don't think there's ever been a Lemire story that he's written or drawn that I haven't read since. Um, and I know certainly he's been—I'm pretty sure he's been my most common choice on the Oscars. So um, you know, and I—I re- I don't know if you guys remember because we've had him on the show a couple times, but like the first time we had him on. Way back in the day, I remember he had just started doing Big Two stuff, and you remember we were like, "Oh, you're you're into the Big Two stuff, huh?" <laughs> like, remember that? Like, and he was like, "Oh yeah, like that's really that's my stuff." You know, I love like I really would like to do a lot of that, and it's just funny now. Like you fast forward, you know, and and he got that out of his system, and now he's doing his own take on that stuff in Black Hat, you know. But it's just I remember when it was a novel idea that like Jeff Lemire could 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 write for someone else and write superhero books like that was considered like oh really like the indie guy that draws his own stuff is gonna write superhero comics it's just it's amazing that that was not even a decade ago really so but uh yeah so Lemire Essex County that's great this is have either of you read Essex County yeah I have not okay hmm Heaton <laughs> you heathen. Um, I I love Lemire, but I love Jeff's writing more than I love his illustrating. And Purple. that's I'm um, no, it's not it's not hurtful at all. <laughs> I I think um, like a, a lot of his his visuals, with the exception of Trillium, have a sameness to them, and it is the coming from the same hand i understand but there's a, a uniqueness to trillium that i don't see in all of his work okay. but i i appreciate and i enjoy his visuals but i think he's a better he's a a, a slightly better writer than he is an, an illustrator it's all i'm saying that's and fair i mean true. all of its gold across the board mm-hmm. um my next one is my cheat but um, considering there was a one-two punch with this issue, I'm not lying. Um, November 1973, from Marvel, Monsters Unleashed number three. And the, the, the right hook comes from the cover image, which was done by Neil Adams. Okay, so picture the scene. I'm... Um, eight years old, 1973. And I'm mostly a Marvel dude. So I have no idea 
who this Neil Adams guy is. Whatever. Um, but his man thing image, and I, you may have seen it. Um, the the woman is backed against the the side of the the vehicle, and there's the man thing's hand over the the guy's head, and it's just this gigantic man thing, like bigger than I. Um, well, I, I don't want to say than I've ever seen before because this is probably my first exposure to the man thing. I missed out on Savage Tales number one, asshole that I am. I uh, have still yet to buy Savage Tales number one. Uh, and the, the left hook of the one-two punch is the Man-Thing story, which was presented in Savage Tales number one, written by Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway, um, but illustrated by Gray Morrow. And to this date, I have never encountered a better take on the Man-Thing than what Gray Morrow did. It, it, it's just astounding. It's almost like like National Geographic in some spots. The the complexity and the vividness of his nature uh, illustration with when there's a it's probably a heron or giant a giant swamp native bird or whatever. And you know, man thing reaches up and it's it's just insane. Um, then he, he struggles and he fights with this crocodile underwater. And, but, but the thing that really hit me, like, remember, I'm eight years old, was that, um, the femme fatale in this story, Ellen Brandt, first uh, is shown in this very skimpy, very revealing nighty. Uh, there's no explicit nudity in it, but there's a, it's very revealing. And I'm, I'm a prepubescent on the verge of, you know, having them them sticky dreams, and to see this was like, wow, this is amazing. This is I don't see this in the four color comics that I buy for for twenty cents or twenty five cents on the newsstand. This is why I shouldn't even be reading this, right? Um, and then uh, as the story progresses, her shirt, uh, her top gets ripped open, and right before the man thing burns her, you see side boob and it's like oh my god this gray morrow guy I, I don't care whatever he does i'm down for it and then i went back and i got the black or the red red circle stuff from archie like the madhouse and all that stuff and i followed him to that you know roger zelazny book and whatever gray morrow has done um uh, you know power line i have always I see that name, Gray Morrow. I will scoop it up without question. Yeah. And it's all because of the Man-Thing story in Monsters Unleashed number three, which was reprinted from Savage Tales number one, which I don't have. So anyone who wants to send me Savage Tales number one, or, uh, yeah, Savage Tales number one, I will surely take it. <laughs> <laughs> I will surely take it. I like... I. I and like it, Gray's work a lot. Oh, he's so fucking good. Just so good. Uh, I remember uh Heroes Heroes for Hope. Uh no, Heroes Against Hunger because he um it his his superhero work as good as it looked always seemed out of place when it's sandwiched next to someone like um Neil Adams or anybody from the eighties drawing superhero books at the time. It's they're all drawing the exaggerated 
comic book looking characters and Morrow's kind of drawing real people in these in these outfits. It's almost like it's the it's it's the Adam West version of Batman. Yeah, it's in, too in, real. In the suit. It's, it's too real. Um, yeah, and right. and but it's still. I mean, I, I I love his line work. I um and and the uh, thanks to you and that PS Art Books magazine that that, that I ordered um, his art in in magazine is is it, it's gorgeous it really is it's, yeah. it's it's understandable why he'd be on your list without a doubt i i rockford illinois i believe and um i think he's you know you you look at a lot of his uh contemporaries from that time uh alex toth um i think morrow's better i love pat boyette uh who i think is better than toth i think Gray Morrow's better than Pat Boyette. Like, I, I there's something about Morrow's approach to to illustration that just he he has the uh, the line of a well honed commercial artist, like a, a commercial illustrator. But there's something very gritty and very rough uh, and dirty about his, his his line too, which I I I I, I can't. You know, balance the equation. I don't know how to put it into words, but I, I, Gray Morrow's artwork just makes certain chemicals dump into my bloodstream faster and stronger than a lot of his uh, his peers from the time. Yeah, respect. Yeah. Uh, number three, um, kind of a no brainer, and this is this is an instance where I'm definitely checking out. Um, something that this this creator may kick off, um, and then I may check out depending on on how the story goes. But he, he definitely Frank Miller is definitely someone who who has me checking out anything he does, um, and then we'll see where it goes from there. But uh, the only exception probably is is holy terror i still haven't read but um i've i've um he was the daredevil artist and then a daredevil writer and artist and then just the daredevil writer before um klaus kind of just took over the illustration um so i knew frank miller and of course you know i knew when he went to dc and this is where things get a little hinky because if you look at publication dates um daredevil 227 and batman the dark knight returns both were published in february of 1986 i bought both but um the reason why i'm using daredevil as 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 the marking point is because this showed me that i was keyed in on miller not only as an artist or 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 drawing his own stories or drawing someone else's stories he 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 was now somebody who was writing stories that other people were drawing and and his his words, his storytelling, the way the way he directed Mazzucchelli to draw Daredevil and 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 the Born Again arc 
was just I I I, I could not look away. It, I mean, there's it, there's a reason why it is is one of my all time probably top five stories. But um, you know, yeah, it's probably better known for Dark Knight Returns or or maybe even Year One, which again paired him up with with Mass Kelly, but um seeing knowing he he was writing and drawing daredevil prior to this and and now he was writing a character that um someone else was going to illustrate showed me the handle he had on the character and and um and letting someone just run with it um it's it, he he's it's since since Daredevil since since Dark Knight Returns since um, Year One I, you've had Sin City you've had Three Hundred um, you've you've had All Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder um, yes you've had Dark Knight Strikes Again and and DK Three the Master Race and 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 you know regardless of what we say about the work or the stories he's telling it's Frank Miller. And without a doubt, because of the mark he left on me when I was younger, um, he's, he's got the credit in the bank. It's, it's, it's an instant. I'm, I'm checking it out because I just, it, it, there's, there's a connection there from way back when he hasn't done anything, uh, not to beat the guy up, but you know, like, like we were saying about burn before he hasn't done anything where I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I've read all the Miller I can read. I'm, I'm still, it's, it's, it's Frank fucking Miller. I'm going to be, I'm going to be there. I'm going to see his name on something. I'm going to check it out. Chances are I'll, um, I'll stick it out with him. Uh, occasionally you might get something like, like Xerxes, which I still haven't finished. It's not because I didn't, I, I don't like it. I just, I just haven't finished it yet, but, um, it's, it's Frank Miller. So yeah, if, um, if his name is attached on something, I mean, should we, 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 I stuck out DK three, obviously, um, the man's got a lot of leeway with me. Yeah, this is like Bizarro World. You're picking Frank Miller, and and, and Vince didn't. <laughs> again, again, though, like, like, like you not saying Davis. Some things are just yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's like it's like Neil Adams. If if Adams isn't if Adams wasn't on his list, we just we'd know. Well, I mean, if I was going to pick Miller, why didn't I just go the distance and pick Kirby? Like, you know, right? Right. You, right. That's well, the, those are not getting any- so I'm not getting anything new from Kirby, but which again, which is why Kane isn't on my list. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Um, well, for me, uh, up next, another artist. Um, y'all know I uh, I genuflected this man's massive talents, biggie talents. Uh, Mr. David Rubin, mm. who I was basically unaware of his existence, even though he's art my age, uh, until I read this book which is a uh, hero volume in, I'm speaking about hero volume one because obviously i had to have read that before i read hero volume two but uh that was rabin's adaptation of the greek epic and it uh you know this was translated into uh english after a few years of only being available in spanish 
you all know I loved it. It was my book of the year. The year it came out, gushed over it, and that sent me on a quest to find everything I could that he had already done and buy the collected editions and read it. And then obviously with everything he's done since then, um, most recently doing a bunch of stuff with Matt Kent on ether. Um, I have been there for it. So uh, yeah, absolutely love the man's work and he is really in, he's in the, uh, the throes of his, of his major U S run right now. He's, he's, he's been working regularly now since, since hero came over here and broke through about five years ago. And, and uh, I think the uh, the world's better for it. I know I'm better for it. Still don't have any art from him, but I'm going to fucking figure out a way. <laughs> trust, trust you me. But uh, Yeah, so David Rubin, hero. I need a hero. Oh, boy. For a hero night. <sighs> my next one, uh, this guy held my head down and jammed an ice-cold spike of cosmic recognition into my brain. <laughs> you got to know who I'm talking about. Right? Jim Starlin. And the first time I was exposed to Starlin was in the pages of Strange Tales, 1979, or I'm sorry, 179, April 1975. And it was Warlock in that, that Death Ship issue. And I was, I didn't, realize that things like that could be done in comics where there's all these alien races and we get to hear a commentary uh on each one and then you see some of them being thrown in into these vats like alive and they're dying it's like the design work the the cosmic implications of the story just the, the, the uh starlin's approach to drawing just amazed me like it was so out of left field uh, I just fell in love with his work, uh, thanks to Warlock and uh, Strange Tales 179. Then I had to go back and get 178, and you know because news, newsstand distribution being what it was back then, um, I don't think I got 80 and 81 until much later, like back issues. So uh, it, yeah, it was sporadic. If you found something you liked, it was a crapshoot whether or not you were going to get. Uh, subsequent issues depending on what book it was like action and superman and you know avengers and fantastic four yeah you could be pretty much guaranteed that you'd see those but strange tales eh, yeah it was tough so yeah i had to actually hunt down the the various parts to this story but uh well rewarded once i did starlin's amazing and this was my first uh first blush with jim that's great Yep. And there's a clown in, uh, I think it's 181. There's a clown? Yeah. Because 180 has the four-armed, I forget his name, thing on the cover with, with Warlock, and it's yellowy-orange, and you know what I mean? But, uh, it's yeah, I love Jim's work. And I have followed him ever since uh, highs and lows. You know, for every breed... There's weird. <laughs> but, there's a weird. Is it Gilgamesh too? Yes, uh, that happens. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I, I um, and the death of Captain Marvel is is forever in burned in my brain. That that 
that was heavy and that was that probably wasn't my first experience with Jim but it's it's definitely one thing that I I associate with him more more than the dreadstar right or wrong more than um I I just and that was probably my first Captain Marvel because I don't recall reading any of the Captain Marvel series that 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 he worked on when uh, it, was, it was before my time, but I don't even the reprints. I, I didn't read a lot of Captain Marvel, um, period. But I um, and I like I, I really like the way Jim draws. It's oh, yeah. just it's it's yeah. it's it's different than the other artists we've talked about tonight. But um, I, I just I really like his style, and 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 everybody seems their characters may look like they have a low center of gravity and and, and are close to the ground, but it's they all have a. Uh, sometimes I want to walk behind them and just you know asking what the burden is but they they just seem to um live in the world that they're drawn in yeah there was a time when jim embraced the computer-aided uh drawing a bit too much and because i i I always asked myself why the fuck does jim starlin need this yeah yeah is it making the process any quicker for you jim uh, maybe, but looking at the results, I don't think it's working in your favor, my friend. Right. Uh, but I don't want to denigrate Jim Starlin. But I mean, there, there's a time, as did a lot of his um, age bracket. They looked at the computer and they're like, "Hmm, yeah, maybe we can <laughs> use this." John Byrne, like, right? Yeah, it's fucking lettering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so know. it's. I, it's- but I mean, like I said, ups and downs. Uh, high, I would follow. I still do. I, I yeah. will follow Jim Starlin anywhere. Yeah, his name definitely. I, I I perk up when I see his name in in previews when it's attached to something. Um, I am I'm absolutely curious. I mean, he, along with our help, he he killed Jason Todd. So he's that's 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 definitely a favor for me. Um, this is hurtful and hateful. He's the one who wrote the story, bro. Oh, I got a um, an update from Big Bad Toy Store that uh, there's a new McFarlane two pack, and it's Nightwing and Red Hood, and it's like, yeah, if there was ever yeah. a two pack that I would not touch, <laughs> that's <laughs> the I, one. Can I just get half of it? I Dude, just I don't. Yeah, I bought the Flash two pack with the Red Death from from Death Metal, and uh, this this the standard Barry Allen Flash looks real good, but I there's no way I'm buying a Nightwing figure or. A Red Hood figure. Now it's like no. I mean, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd be fine with a Nightwing figure. This is Wayne Allen buying a Red Hood figure. Just, just, um, just go the distance and buy the Batman figure. It's, I don't know. <laughs> just, unless I mean, if he comes out with the with, with the George Perez disco collar, collar, the um, yellow and blue. Yes, I would buy that. Yes. I would buy that. Um, foreshadowing. My fourth one. This is one where um, I had to kind of think about this one uh it, it's it's alan moore and um yeah before anybody says well no duh but i mean the man got me he, i mean yeah with with with, with y'all's help but i mean I, I read providence that's not necessarily something i would have gone out of my way to look for um but you know the fact that alan moore wrote it um is testament to to the man's sway over me i i know that you know watchman is huge and and is important uh, you've also got you know the killing joke um 
but when I when I was going back and and thinking about books that I've read when they were coming out and and when when things left their mark on me, um, it was from 1985, the Superman Annual. I mean, it was everything, and I think the reason why that stuck with me is that at the time when this annual came out, when this story happened, you know, this is this is pre-crisis. So the main Superman and Action Comics and DC Comics present stories were all mostly lighthearted fare. Uh, you know, Lois trying to either figure out Superman's identity or marry him. Uh, he's dealing with, you know, silly Lex Luthor type problems. There's, there's nothing life threatening really going on in the Superman books at this time. And for, for this story to happen where Superman is, his, 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 his system is, is being poisoned by a plant and he is dreaming. He's in a coma and, and thinking about the living another life where he's on a Krypton that did not explode. He has his family, he has his parents with him, his biological parents, and, and he has a family of his own. Um, and while that's going on, you have Batman and Robin, the aforementioned Jason Todd, and Wonder Woman taking on Mongol. And Mongol is not um, is not easily disposed of. And Superman's oblivious to all of this wonder woman is 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 not having an easy time with it when when superman finally breaks free from the trance the um this wasn't your typical superman battle where i mean he he is he is legit pissed when he finds out that this was all a dream and and he demands to know who did this to him and he just think and, and he, he uses his heat vision and he's just like one word. He's monos there's this he's saying very little during this fight. I just saying burn to what while he's trying to actually burn Mongol and um he's he's not happy. He's not looking to find the easy way out or, or come to an agreement with anybody with this. It's it's he is he's taking it in a direction I've seen, I haven't seen Superman really take it in up to that point, not until we've got to Alan Moore writing Superman's pre-crisis Superman's last story, but um, see, seeing kind of this this darker version of Superman at the time, at, at, at that age where I was when this issue was published, um, yeah, it definitely left a mark. And then, of course, you know, it made sense that this was the same guy that, that wrote The Killing Joke and, and Watchmen. Um, and, you know, because I wasn't, I, I was I was aware that Alan Moore was writing Swamp Thing, but that that wasn't what, I wasn't buying Swamp Thing at the time. I, I, I That's not where I followed him from. Um, so it really was the Superman annual. That was kind of my real first interaction with him or experience with, with, with him as a writer. Um, and, uh, kind of after the fact, I've realized that he's, he's just somebody that I've followed and, and checked out every time from, from there on since. And, um, I may, there, the time when I wasn't really reading 
as many comics. I've gone back and um, checked out the uh, the ABC line and things like that. So um, I'm making up for lost time. But yeah, he's um, I'll I'll uh, because of events I I get you know the I was getting the magazines and and things like that that I wouldn't normally have have checked out had they not been um, somebody whose work I, I I respected and appreciated when i was younger so yeah alan moore's is is on my list it's it's might be a no-brainer but one of those things where or or just an easy out but it it's um it's fitting in this case yeah you can't not grant morrison now or that's funny (laughs) no i'm kidding i'm kidding (laughs) um Let's see. I got two left. Yeah, two left. Oh, I get. I mean, listen. Uh, How can you have two? He does because you, you have the last one going. Have, oh, one right, right. One. He's the third wheel. Yeah. yeah. Um, Remender. Uh, no surprise. Fear agent. Um, now I've gone back and read all the stuff he did before that. Blackheart Billy, Strange Girl. See so if read. But uh, Fear agent's really the first time I knew of him. Uh, actually credit have to actually credit our uh, our old co-host Mr. Neesman for that. Uh, met him back then at uh, a con, and just fell in love with the whole pulpiness of it. I know we were all fans of it, but just absolutely one of my favorite series of all time. And um, much like the other writers I've talked about already, I I, I don't think there's. Anything he's done since then that I haven't read, um, and and for the most part, I've enjoyed. I, I, honestly, the only thing that I can think of that he did that I, I wasn't crazy about was um, Death or Glory. I was just gonna say, yeah, yeah, I but I mean, say that, but yeah, but but certainly, I, I, I Triple X Zombies was a blast. Um, Last Christmas was crazy. Obviously, I mean, Black Science and Deadly Class and Low are all fantastic. Tokyo Ghost was great. Seven to Eternity is great. Uh, Scumbag is off to an awesome start. I adored pretty much all of his Marvel stuff. I mean, certainly Uncanny X-Force was awesome. I already talked about Secret Avengers. Franken. I mean, I just thought, I thought he did fun stuff at, at Marvel that, I know he doesn't remember as fondly as it's a shame, but but I, I thought while he was doing it, it was it was really great stuff. Um, yeah. So, but but it all starts and it really begins with Heath, Keith Houston fighting those damn aliens. Cool. Yeah, and, and the artists that that were on that book really also all were lifers for me too. Well, you know, he has more. he has a, the uncanny knack of just sucking in really great talent to to work. Yeah, on yeah, thing. exactly. I mean, Tony Moore, Jerome Opeña, Mike Hawthorne. I mean, just great, great choices to like you said of collaborators that have stuck with him. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You am right, mm-hmm. and I'm right with this. I will accept zero rebuttals. Throw, oh boy. throw all of the there evidence my way. I don't care. Uh, regardless of when you were born, um, uh, you know, there's a time when we discover comics, and that is our golden age. And for my money, uh, the greatest 
Spider-Man artist of all time, whom I discovered in Amazing Spider-Man number 130 of March 1974. It's that hammerhead, that great John Romita hammerhead cover with the Spidey Mobile and the jackals in the background, <laughs> and Spider-Man's leaping and hammerhead is coming in, and the interior, of course, was drawn by, in my opinion, the greatest Spider-Man artist of all time, Ross Andrew. I love Ditko. I love McFarlane. Ramita's great. I don't care what you say. Ross Andrew is the all-time best person that ever drew the Web Slinger. That's all I got. Kinetic. Okay. Kinetic. Ama- like... Uh, amazing the the twists and the undulations that he would do with the human body his supporting cast were all beautiful even aunt may was hot under ross andrew i know right uh i just think uh, as an illustrator and then when you got andrew and esposito like later on i there's no book that ross andrew worked on that i wouldn't read i not a dc guy but i saw his action stuff i think it was action it was either action or superman um, and I just scooped him. And he did the same thing for Superman and his supporting cast that he did for Peter Parker. Like, what? Andrew was an amazing, amazing talent. Did not mm-hmm. get anywhere near the recognition that he deserved. I'll agree with that last part. You didn't read any of his uh, Wonder Woman stuff? Wonder Woman? A Marvel kid? Yeah. No. No. Even though it was by Andrew? Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I, I mean, come on. When I was, what, in 74... I was nine. I was not going to buy a Wonder Woman book at nine. I just wasn't, right? But, I mean, I did look at the Superman stuff and bought it when, when I could. But, I mean, I think his, his run of Spider-Man is, is the absolute cream of the Amazing Spider-Man run. I still think Grizzly, Jackal, fucking uh, Miles Warren, all the clone stuff, uh, Whirlwind, Will-O-The-Wisp, come on, Stegron? The lizard? What? It, that that run is just amazing, amazing. And I, I will go to my grave thinking that Ross Andrew is the best Spider-Man artist ever. I don't care Who's what you say. Bro? I don't care what you say. You don't have to. Why yeah. are you so combative? You're acting because like you're I know the people are going to say, "Oh, are you kidding me? Steve Ditko is the is the consummate Spider-Man." No, no, and there's people no, that'll no, say Gil Kane, and I'll be like, "Pshaw, Gil Kane, what?" And now and now, see, so now now now, why you got to go there? <laughs> I mean, a lot of our a lot of our listeners would probably say Farland, honestly. So oh, sure, know. sure, yeah. yeah. And, that's, and that's I mean, I, listen, I we're lucky if we, McFarland. We're lucky if we I don't get some I of the. But yeah, Ryan Otley, man, he's the best. But, no, <laughs> I mean it's whatever. I mean, I, I, would, I, mean, I would say Romita myself, but you know, I mean, no, 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 not Romita. It's, I mean, no. Listen, in Ross Andrew definitely deserves a place when it comes to considering looking at amazing Spider-Man artists, without a doubt. I mean, he did. I mean, I, I. You know, Keith Pollard did some stuff that I thought was really cool too. There have been some really solid Spidey artists, without a doubt. Well, can we uh, agree? I mean, I, I think this top six, where you rank them, would be up for debate, certainly. But I think the top six are like unassailable. I think beyond that, it's very much more of a debate. 
as long as Ross Andrews is in the top six, then yeah. He is. He is. Oh, sure. Okay, then. All right. Ramita so, Sr. Yes. Ramita okay. Jr. No. Right. Ditko. No, wait, 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 wait. Why do you say no to Ramita Jr.? I want to hear the rest of the list before you put Ramita Jr. Oh. on it. Because oh, if, if you're going to... This is, the, this is the six, as I see Okay. It. All right. Ramita's. So that's two. That's two. Ditko. Kane. Andrew. And McFarlane. That's six. I said six. That's six. Okay. Um, I said the six. I think those would be the... Like, if you were to do a Hall of Fame voting, I think that you'd get... Each of those guys would get over 50% of the vote. I think everybody beyond that would not get qualifying, wouldn't get 50%. I think that's fair. And I, I, I and, and, you know, because I feel sad for Marcos Martin, but I know I see, I feel sad for, for Ron Friends because he was, he was, yeah, the, yeah, he was, he was in the Steve Ditko mold. I mean, he brought it back to that look, right? And but I really like his spite, sure. But when and, you and, look and, at the list, Bagley, though, he wouldn't be on my list, but I'm mm-hmm. sure, I mean, no, no, again, oh, wait, he, that's why he's not on my list, but I'm saying a lot of people, I mean, that he, he is because of the length of his run, he did over 100 issues of Ultimate Spider Man, and that for. As you said, Vince, generation, right? We we are we we imprint our then generationally. Ultimate Spider-Man is for a lot of people. Many listening to the show, they're Spider-Man, so. right? Right. But he wouldn't. I, I just think. But to me, Friends and Bagley. We didn't uh, mention Larson. Yeah, um, Busema, Sal. I mean, John, John Drew too. But yeah, I mean, Sal. we're not. We're, yeah, but we're not. We're. we're I mean, I, I was I was thinking about amazing Spider-Man artists, and, and Bagley was an amazing Spider-Man artist as well. I I, I wasn't I wasn't considering the spinoffs because that that's a whole different kind of okay. thing. Okay, well, I mean, I was just considering uh, people that were Spider-Man. No, right. real talk. If you're going solely by their amazing Spider-Man work, McFarlane blew the shit out of Larson. Larson's work was oh, great, right. but there wasn't a, a whole lot yes. of it, right? Yes. And so and that's and why I don't consider Larson top six. I mean, uh, he also he also had the misfortune of following the dude twice. Sure, on, on books, on, right, on, on right, right. Books, yeah. but who do I think is a better artist? Oh, Larson is better than McFarlane. In, in, I I admit that in a second. I I, I love Todd, but Lar- Eric can draw rings around him. I as um, and I'm fine. I, listen, I I I I understand. I respect the mark. McFarlane left on Spider-Man. I, mm-hmm. I realize he he added to to the look, which is probably why. Um, Just in the, the webs reason. alone, yeah. Say what? Just in the webs oh, yeah, alone. Oh, no, the webs alone. I mean, and 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 the uh, the webs, the eyes, the t- taking the Gilgane Gilgane body modification leaps through the sky, things like that. I mean, he's he. It was a departure from the Remedias and and friends and yeah. and the stocky looks that you know Keith Pollard gave us. But his um, Mary Jane's a crack hole, though. One hundred percent. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. His Mary, she's sad. Just, she's hurtful. See, I'm, I'm, I'm fostering a nice conversation. Here. <laughs> just, just like when you know when when they made changes to um, to <laughs> Green Lantern, there there are there was something about. Um, McFarlane's changes that just were too too extreme for me, mm-hmm. and 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 that's and it, it that that doesn't mean that what he did isn't worthwhile or, mm-hmm. or should be 
forgotten about it or, glad, I, or overlooked. I just, I, I have, um, I think it, for me, like it, if someone were to offer me, um, a trade of Spider-Man stories and, and I had my pick of artists to, to read those stories by, I don't think, but my first choice would not be the McFarlane book. And sure, I understand but, but, that yeah, that's a generation. Absolutely. You know, yeah. that's, that, that's their shit. And it's, 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 it, there's, it's just of, it's also of that era where, you know, you had splat drawing during moon Knight, and, and, um, Ugh. and just, it's here's the thing. And we've, we've talked about this a lot with McFarlane. I, I understand being the capitalist of the group here. I, I'm not suggesting that price dictates greatness in any way. But I do think, collecting art, that there is some linear correlation, right? Like, there's a reason why Kirby art goes for what it goes for, right? Sure. There's a reason. like, And we are at a period right now of massive inflation, like jaw-dropping inflation. So, so you know, make of that what you will. But, and, and this is all subjective. And I'm actually with you, Dap. Like, I, I don't, like, McFarlane is not my favorite of the image guys, like, by, by any means, um, but I feel like the 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 fandom has spoken in how important McFarlane was both both in terms of like his drawing of Spider Man, but also his importance as an artist because he just no one else in his um his peer group or his generation no one else touches him when it comes to his art sales, like it does, like it's not even like, like Jim, like Jim Lee is fucking Jim Lee, right? Like he's a household name and he's still way more active than the Todd father. And he, you know, Jim's stuff from that same era goes for a fifth of what Todd stuff, like for, just, yeah. and again, I, I, this is a tangent. I realize I'm like, I'm not suggesting any of what we've already said about Todd relative to these other guys is, 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 is not valid, but the cover to Amazing Spider-Man 299, otherwise known as the issue before Venom. <laughs> like, yeah. like, right? I mean, it was, uh, I don't know if you remember, but it was like, there was a character named Chance on the cover. Yeah, Chance. Yeah, you know. What would yeah. we remember? Okay, well, I, I mean, Venom appears on the last page, doesn't he? I mean, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. he does, yes. But the cover just sold last month, and I put it up on our Slack um, as a preview. The cover went for $250,000. It's like, a lot of money, yeah. That is, like, no one else gets that money. Like, like Frazetta stuff goes for more than that. You know, like, like, like you, Kirby covers don't go for that, right? Right. Well, McFarlane tapped into something um, during his Marvel time that I don't think will ever be repeated. Like, he was on the lips of everyone. Whether Absolutely. you were a, whether you were yeah, a Marvel yeah. fan or not, it was this. Did you check out what that guy is doing in Amazing yeah. Spider-Man? Like, holy crap, it's incredible! And yeah. you had people from all parts of fandom looking at this book, and he was he was a a, a rock and roll star, and that was unheard of at the time. Yeah, uh, no, I uh, I just want to put Dap on the hot seat just for a second. So, uh-huh. um, unchallenged, we all know that Gil Kane is the greatest Green Lantern. Artist, right? Right. Who's number two? Of of all time? Of all time. 
Kane cannot be untu- cannot be touched. He is without a doubt the definitive Green Lantern artist. Who's number two? Oh man, um, I mean, we're talking about Does from the Silver Age to, mm-hmm. to to now, all time. Um, you know, I, you know the answer. I know you know the answer. What's I mean, my answer, or what is like as far as what people think? I believe no. I don't give a shit what you're people think. Right I'm me. asking you, so I know what your answer is going to be. I think I'm pretty confident. I know what your answer is going to be, and it's probably the same as mine. I mean, it's it's. <sighs> I mean, by default, just just based on on the amount of work he did, amount doesn't um, matter. I know it doesn't. I know it doesn't. I I mean, I'm I'm tempted to say Joe Staten. No, that's not the answer but, I thought you would make. No, it's but 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 I I really really like what Dave Gibbons did. Mm. I really um, I, I Pat Broderick was fun, but again, I mean that wasn't the, the, these weren't of any any major mm. consequence. I, there was um, I mean you're, yeah all time. I mean I just my my it it ends for me with with how so i can't i don't want to say daryl banks i don't want to say um i mean i'd love to say mark bright but it's not like he did anything much i i i i liked i like i mean yvonne rice would be probably wow you're not going anywhere in the direction i thought you would i mean yvonne hayes would be in my top five for sure but i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say evs pacheco was pretty good who are you thinking gleason neil adams no, Neil Adams. No, Gleason. Yeah, Neil, Neil, Neil Ad- Gleason. Gleason was a Green Lantern core artist, and I don't. Yeah, I don't. That, that's why I wasn't even thinking that. Gleason was absolutely fantastic, but Gleason drew a fantastic guy, Kilowog. Uh, his house pretty damn good too. When I say Green Lantern, I mean you know you're, Green Lantern yeah, mythology. You're, you're, you're encompassing everything. I mean, you yeah. can even say Kevin O'Neill from the Green Lantern Quarterly book. Um, no, yeah, I would. It would absolutely. Yeah, I, I would have. I would. I would have said Neil Adams after Kane. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't give the nod to Neil on this. No, Mm-mm. I mean, I, and I would, Joe I, would put, I, I would put Doug Monkey in over EBS. He would be my number three. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Pro- I would. I would put Gleason over over um, over Doug. Interesting. All right, let's keep going. What else do we have? Um, I think it's Daft's but, uh, turn, isn't it? I it, it is my turn, but I'm. I mean, why? Going back a minute. Um, what what version of John Romita Jr. were you scoffing at when when Jason had him on the list? Oh yeah, no, I wouldn't scoff at any John Romita Jr. But I thought that the fact that he put both Romitas on there was spurious. But I guess not because there's two there's two you Romita agree, Jr. I give you my six. Yeah, no, I do agree with it now. Yeah, it's a good list. It's a good list. There there, there are two Romita Juniors that have drawn Spider Man. There's the one who did <laughs> yeah the coffee right the coffee bean. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's there like, was the 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 Paul Jenkins right. One, that's that's another you know, Spider Man. That's, that's just not. Yeah, that's not another interesting one. conversation for another episode down the line. A theme episode maybe of like artists who have just either changed so much that we no longer find them as appealing, or or our tastes have changed. Right? Like yeah, like because Ramita would be at the top for me on that. Because he was a guy that I, I mean, I he was must see TV. I mean, I, I yeah, like 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 it was. Oh man, I, like you were just thrilled to find out whatever Marvel book he was going to go on to because you knew it was going to be just a visual tour de force. And right. then I just, at some point, it was like, oh, this looks a little rough. Like a guy had a nice star brand. Yeah, 
And you know, yeah. I mean, okay, maybe I'm wrong and stone me for being a heretic. Uh, the problem I find with Ramita Jr. is his decision to work with Jansen. I think Jansen's been phoning it in for years. And and there's a there's an issue of Action Comics where I think it was Mickey who inked it, and I guess Klaus had the month off, and it was it was beautiful compared to what came before and after it. It, it that almost night and day. It, it, I mean, Ramita's still there, but Mickey added and and let more John come through than um, right. than than what Jensen had done. Being all heavy when you have a penciler that takes a very laissez-faire approach to delineating things, yeah. hum, human form, architecture, whatever, you need an inker that's going to tighten it up, rein it in a little bit, just delineate what's going on. Jansen, he just – you know how he works, right? Um, I, I, I think he doesn't do – he did at one point. The, the team was very good together, Jansen and – Ramita Jr. were awesome, yeah. but I think I don't know what it is. I think Jansen has has become complacent in his methodology, and I don't think he's doing Jr. any favors these days. I agree. I yeah. agree. Yeah. Um, this is so, number five, right? This is my mm-hmm. number five. Okay. Rounding out the uh, in, in alphabetical order. Um, this is George Perez. Um, mm. I I was familiar with the guy. Before, I mean, I was reading the new, teen, the new Teen Titans before the issue that's on my list um, is mentioned. I was, I was, you know, I enjoyed it, um, but for whatever reason, something clicked. I, I see the, I see this cover at the newsstand with my grandparents. I'm, uh, I'm going to the newsstand with my grandfather. I see the New Teen Titans number thirty-four. I see this cover. Sticks with me to this day. It took me years. I mean, it a long time before I actually realized the meaning behind the cover. Um, and, 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 and getting past this cover, just, just reading the issue where, um, the, the reveal of, of Judas happens. Um, but the, the, um, the detail. And, and I mean, it was always there before this issue, but for some reason it clicks here, but the detail in Titans tower, cause you know, Perez doesn't, doesn't phone anything. in the, um, the, the fight scene between Deathstroke and the Titans. And what, what I, what I appreciated about Perez is that, yeah, you get the, you'll get the occasional panel where, you know, you get the upshot where you're looking at someone's nostrils, but there are panels where, like the panel where Deathstroke is threatening the Titans to back off or he'll cut off Kid Flash's head. The way the way the reader is looking at that panel, looking down behind they're they're behind and above the Titans are looking down on the ground. But you know, Perez worked with angles that not so many other books I was reading at the time were mostly straightforward face-to-face action where, where, where the readers at the same on the same ground, the same level as the characters on the page and everything that doesn't, I mean, that doesn't make it flat or it doesn't make it boring, but there's just something dynamic about Perez's approach to his camera angles, to the way he's, he's, he's bringing the reader into the story. Um, and I guess because of all the detail that he's putting on the page, um, 
because of the way the metal on Cyborg shines. And, and of course, this is also the Romina Tangel is, is, is to be mentioned here as well. But um, there's just the little, the extras, the things that would draw, drive any artist probably mad, any anchor definitely to drink would just, it's, it's amazing to see this on in a comic book, but in a, in a, in a team book at that. And granted there's only, you know, five, six dudes on the team, but there's, there's still a lot going on here. And there's just, I don't know why i mean th- th- there were previous stories where you know they in the life of the titans um but this was the issue that that was kind of uh the turning point for me where you know the 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 explosion at the end of the issue which which led into the annual that year with the uh the introduction of of vigilante and then you had the issues after that with who is donna troy and then of course the wedding that vince loves and and there's just so many um, th- there was a lot going on with Perez even before this. Then I, I go back years later and I read, you know, I find out that, you know, he did do work for Marvel, obviously with, with Fantastic Four and, and um, the martial arts stories. And, and I, I remember seeing covers that he did for the Avengers. And of course he did interiors for Avengers. It was always weird. Cause I always, at, when I started reading comics, he was, he was a DC artist Um just like burn in the eighties was a Marvel artist and to see them work for the other company blew my mind. But the, um, once, once I finished teen Titans, once I finished that story and I, and I stayed with it and I, I, I followed him wherever he went. And, and of, of course, you know, this was crisis came out a couple of years later, but, um, history of the DC universe that I mentioned last week. And, and you have, um, no, you just wherever he went, um, I was there at Saxon Violence with the, under the Epic Line. He, he, he um, got the time off from Cross Gen to do JLA Avengers finally, and it it did. I mean, he was he was inking Jurgens on Green Arrow when New Fifty Two launched. He was working on the Superman book when New Fifty Two launched, and regardless of how I felt about the line, his 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 name was on in the credits on a book. I, I, I was checking it out, and I'm still that you know, and he's. Obviously, he's pretty much retired from from sequential storytelling now. Um, but uh, so so it's easy to say, you know, I was following him and and we'll continue to follow him. But yeah, if, if his name, if I see him on something, um, it's it's pretty much an instant buy. But yeah, he he he's he's been a favorite of mine for a very 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 long time. And when I think back about what it was when it finally clicked. Um, and made me. This was that dude. Um, that that that's the issue. And then I, you know, I, I it, it and it could have been even earlier. It 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 could have been earlier because if when I think about you know his his short Justice League of America run, um, which which was great seeing all those characters. It's it's um, I'm glad. I mean, you know, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, absolutely fantastic. He did the model. She did the guide sheets and and the style guides and um. Those were the way the DC characters looked, and, and and I love Garcia Lopez's work, but for me, big time superhero fan to see Perez drawing those heroes, those, those characters, um, 
I I was in heaven. I just and and yeah, Titans thirty four Titans thirty four, um, with that cover and the way the story played out and and looking back at those pages for tonight, um, again it 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 brought all that back with um, almost like it was yesterday. But yeah, that um, that book from nineteen eighty three for whatever reason my. my my dumb young ass, it just, it, it, it clicked. And I was pretty much, I was, I was a goner from that point on. There, there, there was no turning back. Perez is a weird one. Cause even as you guys know, I wasn't reading DC when I first became, came up in the eighties. And that's really when I mean, he was, he was DC and he was, you know, arguably the, the biggest deal at DC or at least one of the biggest deals. And, and so I was aware of him, like at the shop, people would be talking about him, you know, I mean, between Crisis and Titans and, and then even Wonder Woman. I mean, it was like, yeah, was always around. Like he was always like front and center as one of the big names in comics, but I just wasn't reading any of it. You know, I just wasn't, wasn't my thing. And so, uh, and then as you noted, I mean, he had, a, he had, uh, he's, he's, I think better known by younger people for his run with Busiek on the Avengers, but he was before all of the DC stuff. He was a regular penciler on 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 the earlier version, you know, the earlier run of Avengers. Um, but again, that that came out right before I started reading. So so, I mean, almost to a. I, I mean, I I think probably the first thing I bought off the shelf that he drew were the was the early issues of the Infinity Gauntlet. However many he did, what did he do? Three of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and then that was controversial because. Like, you know, he, he left the book and stuff, you know, and then it was like, oh, what the fuck's this guy? Like, this big, you know, big time DC guy can't even fucking get a book done. And then, <laughs> That's and, nice. and I really like thought like, well, this sucks. And then, and, and then, and then he, then he came into the Busick stuff with the Avengers, which, which, you know, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, I like it. I like it because I, I, it's, it's fun and it's quirky and I think it aged well because it's so bizarre. But, but I, I, um. So like and and then and then really much later did I I go back and and because by then things like Crisis and 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 Titans had aged to the point where they were like seminal works you know like like they were in the category of how could you not have read that you know and so I went back and read that stuff and and it was great obviously I mean obviously and so so I, I very much now respect and appreciate and understand i think he's a very deserved place in that era as as one of the the top if not you know if not the top for a while but i don't have a like a strong personal connection to him because it was almost all historical for me in terms of his great stuff you know it was it was almost all like after the fact i get that Yeah. yeah i remember back in the day there was a fanzine i think it was like i don't know fandom connection or fandom something that um pitted this dick that pitted uncanny x-men with new teen titans and okay. as you know it was like head to head which is the better book you know slug it out and um as a marvel reader um and i think it's interesting to note that all of my choices for this fucking thing were marvel all of yeah, them i don't think that yeah. that, that that didn't not like you said, I, noticed when you were coming up like I don't know, I don't get it. Um, but anyway, uh, so that that brought New Teen Titans into my uh, field of vision. It, it was on my radar. Like if they're comparing this this DC thing to to Uncanny, which is 
freaking balls out great. I think I should investigate it. And I did. And it took a couple issues for Perez's approach to to sink in because it's 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 hyper detailed. There's too much going on. <laughs> um it it's it's a lot of work to appreciate Perez on his level. It's a, it's a, it's I think it's a very much amount of work. Um, but you know, I fell in love. Like I, but I, Perez is not one of those guys. And I'll be totally honest; he's not an artist whose name I throw out at a on a whim. You know, like you know, your favorite Fantastic Four artist. It's not going to be Perez. Your favorite Superman artist, George. Sorry, love you, but no, right? <laughs> um, so he he doesn't do anything the best. For me, but I still really respect George's skill and his talent. I I like his work. Like JLA Avengers, holy shit! George, do you really need to draw every curl in Wanda's hair? Why are you doing this? <laughs> I, and I, but I get it, right? It's just exhausting, and I can only imagine what it's like on the opposite end of the pen. It's just so many lines and so, like, he's just so hyper-detailed. It's ridiculous. I enjoy his work, but, again, he's not, like, top ten for me. But I do I do really love his work. I, I, I respect, and I, I don't want to, I'm not taking a, a dump on the guy. I think he's extremely talented. Oh, you shook his hand at Chicago. Yeah, no, I think George is great, but yeah. um, he scares me a little bit. Okay. It's just. Too detailed, and, and, Why? and maybe that's I, I don't maybe maybe the Jew me figured I was getting a bank for my buck. I mean, all this detail in this book when you maybe. Look at the burn book, maybe it's like, you yeah, know, there's no backgrounds, but you have um, it's it's just there's just something about like like you know seeing it act, like like the characters when they're talking, their mouths are open. Like there are yeah. a lot of comics where you know nobody's everybody's talking through pursed lips in 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 or, or clenched teeth in almost any other comic book, and it's just it's it was it it felt different. And yeah, Wolfman was writing stories about you know older teens and 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 their drama, but it it is as as much as I enjoyed those stories. And I mean, shit, Drew's contract is 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 up there for me. And you know, so so things happened in this run but um but absolutely it, it, it was george that just that had me buying yeah. every issue and 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 you know i mean even you like like jason said wonder woman and i was there for war of the gods and i mean i came yeah. back to hulk with future imperfect because you know the two issues by, by you know so i mean he it, it really he was he when when we have discussion about you know is it the character is it the creator you know what what, what gets you to to what what separates your money from your wallet when it comes to comic books and and but but Perez is definitely someone that um that you know it doesn't matter what he's going to be working on I'll 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 check it out but I I abs- I, I totally get cuz I don't think I don't think Mario's super keen on his art style either and 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 that's fine and there's just yes like you said Vince it's exhausting you, when when you're reading a comic book you just kind of want to enjoy it read it and and it's like, it's like you've taken a mind-altering substance and everything is so crystal clear and so finally, yeah. finely, infinitely detailed that it doesn't mirror reality. I mean, yes, when we look at something, we see all of the detail, everything. Right. But to see that transferred into line work, it's just 
it's overpowering. It's too much. Yeah. But Not every I, apartment has has super detailed wallpaper. Some people just have plain paint. Yeah, right. No, yeah. I'm, I mean, but, but I, I think George draws a great Superman. Sure. I think his Wonder Woman is... I, I haven't sussed it out who I think is, is above him, but top three Wonder Woman artists. That, sure. That's saying something. Number one Wonder Girl artist. I agree with that. That red with that red outfit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. I, I think you know. I mean, he he. I I I love, I love his cyborg. Not. I mean, in that. And I mean. Oh the, yeah. The, 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 yeah. That mm-hmm. cyborg from that era. I, yeah. I know that you know when when Johns did his Titans book and McCone kind of redesigned the team. I you know th- th- that was a more of a modern take. Do not care for the new Fifty Two Justice League version. Um, well, but Perez's it, it, cyborg was more man than machine. Over the years, and, and it at, became, and, the machine and, took over, and it's like, what? I don't know about but, that. But based on the science at the time, you also, you know, he he, it 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 made sense. I mean, this is this is an early eighties book. It made sense for you know. I mean, it's not like he was walking around with a human Betamax, but it was. It just it. It looked like you know it would make sense, and um, you know, how could you identify way? with a, a a lump of steel and wires and connectors and stuff? The the you wanted to identify with the character underneath the, the human, yes. uh, and I yeah. think that's what Perez did with with uh, Cyborg. Whereas uh, over the years, he's he's almost Deathlock. Where it's just yeah. he did that. Yeah, he's been yeah, he's yeah. you know yeah, he's, he's been six cons- pain. I mean, yeah. You you definitely knew what, yeah, what, what he was talking exactly I mean, that was, yeah and even even with Wally you know I mean Wally's got you know he's 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 dealing with, with what he's dealing with he's and 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 he feel, he finds out his powers are killing him you know that's it was very easy to understand why you know he was kind of the the Norn Rat of the group he just he wasn't someone you really wanted to be around <laughs> the and Norn Rat that's a good one a good one it's, it's, sorry yeah. but it it's um, yeah I mean yeah I mean go ahead. I mean Paris was gonna you know his place at the tables is some unquestioned you know? i think so. i mean yeah well he i mean he drew the what we consider the the the, the seminal event of all time i mean i you know i mean i what are you talking like about? crisis uh, is crisis. all other events come from crisis uh you know yeah um, yeah it's you know as much as i'm i should really revisit that because i have don't get me started i i have such a I need no reason to reread. Uh, but I need to. See, uh, that's my thing. I th- I'll be totally honest. I've read Crisis when it came out. Maybe once after that. Don't mm-hmm. don't. Tease so me. I need to go back and read it again. Mm-hmm. And JLA Avengers is phenomenal. And, and it is. And it is. Like, yeah, it is. And as an art, like just as an art fan, it's like re- like what you were just saying about his exacting detail. I mean, like it's so ev- like. Of course, George Perez drew that. Like, like, right? Who else would have? You know, like, like. But it, I just want to say, George, to, put the mushroom what? down. Put the mushroom down. You don't have to draw that much detail. It, it's just no, I know, and, and I'm saying it nearly killed him, and, and he's got. It, it's why he really doesn't work anymore, and he's got bad eyesight. And all. Right, but, but I'm right. saying, like, for whatever good or, or bad or worse or whatever his legacy is as a, as a result, I, you know, I Christ, the guy, I don't know, like. Like I said, I mean, he, he doesn't have the emotional connection for me that some of these other people we've talked about do. But but I, I it, it, but but definitely like if we're having one of those conversations about like, oh, I don't really like that band, but they're an all timer. I mean, that's Perez for me. Like he like he 
he absolutely is on the pantheon uh, of modern artists because of just what he accomplished. But yeah. Yeah. I yeah, think I think his list. yeah I think his <laughs> legacy was cemented before JLA JLA Avengers. Oh, of course, Absolutely. right? Because I, I mean, no, if you his if you was cemented with, I mean, I, I mean, again, that 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 was an eight to ten year run of Crisis, Titans, and Wonder Woman. I mean, yeah. that's he was the if Wizard Magazine existed at the time, he would have been the number one guy for all. Of yeah, that, right. Like, I mean, he would have since yeah. we're throwing, you know. Names out there. I think his robot man is top three. His Doom Patrol is great. His Doom Patrol is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now and that's that's that, that's a whole other segue because I just I just finished the uh, the second season last night. But anyway, go ahead. Oh, nice. It's Jason's turn. Well, it's going to be super anticlimactic effort. We've just had some very lengthy discussions <laughs> with our number fives. Uh, I mean, my number five, no surprise, and there's not a ton I really need to say about it. I think we'll have to go deep on this one. Is is Hickman and Nightly News. Um, and all I'll say about it is, is the the reason it grabbed me was because it wasn't conventional in the way it was rendered, right? I mean, he he drew it, but I say drew it in that it was digitally created, more of a infographic than a at least a big chunk of it was more infographic than 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 like <laughs> sequential. But it also became apparent that the things that I and I think other people who love Hickman's writing love was all there regardless, right? Which is this like meticulously planned, intricate, layered storytelling. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have read everything he's ever done. And I read that as it was coming out. Just one of those things where like instantly I'm like, oh, this guy's this guy's going to be something. And, um, and they haven't always, always been a hit for me. Like, like I mean, things like transhuman. I mean, like Pax Romano, love transhuman, not so much. But, but, but I, but I always think that that in that case, it was just one of the things. Like I, it was his first work. I read it as it was coming out, and I thought, oh, this guy's this this guy's going to be a big deal. He, like he's going to have a big place at the table, and, and he has. So um, yeah, I, I I I adore I adore his work, and I I think Nightly News is. I mean, I, I don't I can't think of many debut works that I think are as accomplished as nightly news among, among his peer group, among modern, you know, people that are in their early forties of that, of that generation. I will not comment. I know. know. You don't like it. I think it's, (laughs) yeah, I think it's the Excel of comics. Yeah, I get that. I, you see, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, (laughs) Do, uh, yeah, I, I love I mean, you. I'm, I'm coming at that more from his writing. I mean, I, no, I, I know, I but the, I mean, I read it as it was coming out, and I and I guess I enjoyed it, but the the visuals, mm, no, no, and and again, to be clear, the, the re- I mean, he doesn't draw. You know, there's a reason. Oh, I'm, like he drew that it. because he wanted to be in comics, and he couldn't find someone to draw, so he drew it himself. Gotcha. Yeah, but right. I th- but, I but, think I mean, the man. He, he's not an artist. He doesn't. Well, like, I think I think he is. No, no. What I mean is, is, is the majority of his library and his resume are are, are things that he's written for other right, artists, right? And I think that's yeah. where his his strengths lie. A hundred percent. I mean, yeah. I view him as a writer. I don't. Yeah. Lemire writes and draws, right? I mean, um, Matt Kent writes and draws. You know, Scotty writes and draws. Lots of people are both, but but I, uh, but I I don't. Even though Hickman is capable of of of, of creating 
visual art, I, I, I view him as a writer. I, I don't like, I think that's where he's great. He's a great writer. I, yeah. I think he's a passable visual storyteller. Cosine and the writer. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. That's it. So there you have it. That's all. Wow. Quite the, thought, quite the thought exercise. Yes. That is a three hour exercise, actually. Um, we, we didn't even. Because uh, I know we, we. You go now. We, we, we asked the listeners. And. Um, God, yeah. And, and yeah. And, and. We did. Some replied. But uh, yes, we did. Um, but yeah, we. Uh, this, well, we asked this to people on Slack. And. Um, there were there were some answers. Like I mean, there were some pretty entertaining answers. Ian Ian says uh, Morrison and and what hooked him was uh, was Doom Patrol. Um, Rod, mind management with Matt Kent, uh, Lemire mm. Sweet Tooth, Tom King, a once crowded sky, Kyle Higgins with Nightwing, and Bill Sienkiewicz with the Shadow. Oh yeah, nice nice choice. Yeah, that yeah. is that is good. Sienkiewicz for me was was my introduction was Moon Knight, but I mean he's another one where yeah I mean yeah I, I but I'm, I'm I'm very I mean obviously that's a departure from what where he's what he's right? doing these days and yeah. even what he did after that but um but he's another one where yeah if he I mean obviously he's it, it it's funny it, there are some some creators like with Sienkiewicz since he's generally these days inking Dennis Cohen since I'm always going to buy something Dennis Cohen does he could have been easily on my list. Um, Sinkavage is right there, so it's that, that that's a twofer. Yeah. Um, I could have but you see, like but... Moon Knight, when that came out, I was like, whatever, An- another Neil Adams clone. Well, this is okay, I guess. But then when New Mutants stop, right? When he just decided to let it all hang out on New Mutants, I was like, yeah, this is okay. I'm tuned into this. So there's there's really you know the the. The the pre New Mutants uh, yep. Sinkevich and yeah, there's the, the Neil Adams Sinkevich yeah and there's yeah the, and then there's the Sinkevich Sinkevich I'm not crazy about the the the, the Moon Knight Sinkevich at all uh, yes there 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 is some skill that is is there on the pages but yeah. it's it's still he's dancing to somebody else's song right right yeah I mean and I like it because I mean it's 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 easy to follow I and I mean I like Neil I I liked Younger, earlier Neil Adams, and and so it was very easy for me to appreciate and and like the Sinkiewicz stuff for that era. Sure, um, but yeah, yeah. Now that I think about it, I I I should have I should have put Dennis Cohen on my list. But um, I'm almost yeah. done with the question. That is so good. It is so good, so right? good. Yeah, it really feels like Denny. It really feels like Denny wrote it. I think it does. Yeah, I, mean, I, there, I there agree. Slight differences. No, I agree. But. but yeah. With, with with the way Vic acts and, and interacts with people, it, it it reminds me very much of of Denny. Yeah, yeah, he's an asshole. <laughs> that hasn't he is changed. An asshole, he is. Yeah. He's very much an asshole. Yep. He's an asshole <laughs> in a city full of assholes. Yep. So uh, there you have it. That was our list of five love at first sights. Yep. And if you would like to get in on the fun with these things, uh, the Slack is the way to do it. And you can get to the Slack through the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. We regularly throw out questions to our uh, Illuminati and they return answers, as Dap says. So um, if you want in on that, just go to the Patreon forward slash 11 o'clock comics and there you go. That was a lot of fun. 
Uh, I don't know. Well, you know what? I did while you were all talking. I saw it creeping up on three hours and like, okay, I guess I'm going to take all the death metal images out of the gallery because I'm not going to get to it. Uh, I have, uh, for your edification, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven paragraphs of notes on death metal. So I mean, if maybe next time. Next time. I mean, I'm, I'm. No, I'm good. If you wanted to talk about it, I'm good. I, that, really that's, wanted to. That's a. We're gonna have a four-hour episode. We can't do that. I'll save this. I'll put this on the back burner, and I will say, um, the dogs are freaking out upstairs. Do you that's hear what them? You're gonna say no. Yes. Um, in your travels, uh, let's see. All right, I. I'm gonna kill the kid. I'm just gonna kill him. I, I finished the plunge, or plunge as it's called, uh, written by Joe Hill, art by Stuart Eminen and Dave Stewart. The the important thing I want to talk about is the collection cover, which is by Jeremy Wilson. And you, for those who have been buying the Hill House books in collected edition, the acetate cover works really well on some, and on others, not so much. I think the uh, the plunge book is where the Aztec cover works the absolute best. And to give kudos to the uh, the crew behind it, the design director is Steve Cook, and publication design and production by Amy Brockway Metcalf and Susanna Roundtree, respectively. Um, I think that the uh, the plunge book is just amazing. Did you guys buy the hardcover? Of course. Yes, uh, the acetate cover is, it just, it enhances the uh, Jeremy Wilson cover beneath. It doesn't uh, obfuscate it at all. It's a perfect blending of this uh, beautiful uh, marketing tool that they've done, this acetate cover, and what lies beneath. Others, not so much. Like the Lolo Woods, I think, squandered the acetate cover, as did Basketful of Heads. Like the, the um, Dollhouse family made really good use of the acetate cover. Um, and I didn't buy the other one because I did whatever. Uh, but the, the four hardcovers that I did buy, I think the uh, plunge hardcover makes the absolute best use of that, that acetate cover. Um, that was just a brief aside. I want y'all to read, published by Antarctic Press. You know how much I love Antarctic Press. It's called Jungle Comics Number 3. I've talked about it before. Um, it has been in the three issues. Uh, there's a lot of great art within its pages. In issue number one, we had Kelsey Shannon. Issue number two, uh, DAP is going to have the instant recognition on this one. Ben Dunn did, oh. uh, yeah, did Fire Hair. And uh, Isaac Cordova did The Jungle Angels in issue number two. Issue number three features art by someone I've never seen before. Um, his name is Preston Acevedo. And, and, and he does a, a story with Chuck Dixon. Sorry. You know, you got to take the bad with the good, right? Yeah. Um, he does a story of... Um, Rula and Jojo. Jojo's kind of like a uh, uh, an inbred Tarzan, not all that smart. Talks in in Hulk like like dumb Hulk sentences. But uh, Rula is is very intelligent, and and she's a, obviously a woman. 
um, and she, you know, directs him. It's a very simple story by Chuck Dixon, almost by the numbers. Uh, pterodactyls. Uh, there's a Savage Land vibe in this story that that's kind of cool. But the the real draw here is Azevedo's art. It is absolutely amazing. It it's not unlike Art Adams. Um, and when I say it's not unlike Art Adams, they're they're cousins in style. Uh, they're not equals, obviously. Art Adams is a uh, a monumental talent. This this uh, Preston Acevedo. I don't know how long he's been doing it. He's good, but he's not Art Adams good. Um, but the human form, the the jungle environs, the dinosaurs are all amazingly rendered. And what they do is they go in with the coloring, uh, and they do the dot pattern, the moray, right? And then they'll 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 make it look old timey, where they'll put jungle comics at the the top of every page, like old DC comics used to do, right? So it has that weathered um golden age feel to it but the the pterodactyls are amazing and there's something at the end that that you know fans of hp lovecraft may want to check out i'm just saying um the 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 human the figure work is impeccable just really really beautifully drawn um sequential storytelling so uh if you want to get some beautiful art and the 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 second half of the issue is drawn by Ben Dunn, who always does really well done comic books. Um, it's thirty one pages of story and art for three ninety nine. Where are you going, right? Jungle Comics number three from Antarctic. It's awesome. Damn. And yeah, and I tried to find some examples of uh, Asvedo's pages from this issue on the web. I couldn't find anything. The cover is in the gallery. But if you want to see his artwork, you're either going to have to buy the issue or get the digital. I don't know. Sorry, I tried. I'm not scanning my book. Damn. Yeah, I'm not doing it. Selfish. Jungle Comics, number three, Antarctic Press. Very good. Do it. Very, very good. Yep. Uh, In your travels, like Vince, I will save one thing that... um, I would have gone deep on for next time. Um, I would have gone deep on death metal, but I'm not. Sorry. That's what I'm saying. So I'll, right. I'll, which is weird because that means because what I was going to talk about would have had a slight connection to what Jason talked about last week, but it's all good. Um, so I finished the other history of the DC Universe number one, and. Vince, you took umbrage to Jefferson Pierce's impression and feelings on John Stewart. Yeah, yeah, not having read the issue, but I mean to complete, be completely honest, I have it, but I haven't. Been, okay. I haven't been motivated to read it. Well, um, and and that's fine, but. Um, as as the issue continues after you know he told the Justice League to go go scratch after their uh, little initiation, um, he uh, Pierce continues to go on and he finds out you know he, he mentions that uh, Superman finds out he's not alone because Supergirl is is introduced to the world. Uh, he talks about 
riding the the train one night and um and there were uh there was a thug with a gun and black lightning made easy work of um there were two guys black lightning was able to take one of them down the other one he um he uh punched when dude hit the floor gun went off hit a passenger and um and turns out that trina the victim was a student of jefferson pierce's um so he's pretty much he's done he's frustrated he's 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 given it all up he destroyed his um his outfit uh in a fit of rage pretty much just done uh went back to um went it all in on uh on the school system being an educator and um talks about vixen again where she's meets up with superman and i remember that issue of dc comics presents because kurt swan drew it um and uh talking about poachers and basically now she gets the rub from superman now she's you know instant hero and um then throughout the whole issue there's still there's homages and and when he talks about batman and the formation of batman and the outsiders the image on the page is taken from the first issue of the untold legends of, of Batman, which was the three issue miniseries, And it's a Jim Aparo cover. It looks just like that. Giuseppe draws it very, he makes it his own, but you can tell it's the Aparo image. And he talks about the formation of, of Batman, the outsiders and how Batman, Batman didn't want black lightning on the team because of his powers or his abilities or his smarts. He wanted him because since Lucius was the one who was being held hostage in Markovia, Batman wanted Jefferson Pierce to act like Lucius's brother as a way to get in there and, and, and they could do the rescue. And um, it wasn't, it, Black Lightning wasn't having it. Batman talked to him and, um, guilt them kind of going into it. And, and, and so we talk about the outsiders and everything else. And then we find out that, um, that John Stewart had destroyed a planet, he destroyed an inhabited homeworld. Uh, he'd been unable to stop a blink bomb, blink bomb from detonating and the explosion incinerated half the planet, turned its core into antimatter, knocked it from its orbit and then sent it spiraling into its sun. Um, and, that point john stewart tried to commit suicide um i mean he even willed his ring 20 light years into space and then took an alien gun the yellow bullet to his temple pulled the trigger and every time the ring came back and saved him from death and and prevented him from killing himself so tatsu talks to um talks to Jefferson and says that um, maybe you should uh, go and talk to John because, you know, you both experienced loss, at least not on the level that, that John did. Um, and he says, you know, well, I don't, I don't have much of a connection with John Stewart. And she goes, well, now would be a good time to make one. So he does, and he, and he ends up, he says, um, Pierce says that, you know, he had been wrong about John. I had been so wrong. For years, what I took to be aloofness 
was just a guy trying to keep his head above all the assumptions that swirled around him from a distance that came off his arrogance. But I never took a minute to consider John's struggles. All I knew, all I cared to be aware of was that he wasn't living his life by my standards. So I had no interest in his concerns. And it's, it's, it's that whole growth was the aha moment that so many people in the real world, either oblivious to or ignore, or just, you know, too proud to admit when they were wrong or, or failed to see lack empathy and, and, and failed to see, see it from any sort of angle other than their own. Um, so it was a really huge moment on that page. And, it, you know, it goes on to talk about the breakup of the outsiders. And uh, since, since the book ends in, um, in, in 1995, we only go up to a, um, up to a certain point with some hideous looking outfit black lightning outfit that he's got in the um in the closet but um uh, yeah it it was it it's it's still i mean uh, no different I, I i recommended it last week i still recommended it it's um you know it, it's he's he's an angry man but he doesn't um and and there are times where he could still be angry but it's um it, it's it's he, he he got wise with age and um and that and that shows. I think really did a really good job of um, of presenting the man that Black Lightning is, and 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 Black Lightning also. But um, the other history of the DC universe, number one, book one, still recommended in your travels. There we go. Um, I feel sometimes it could be cool to be late to the party because then people get all jealous because you know you get to experience all the stuff that they've already consumed. And, uh, like, I feel like I've gotten that this time. Um, and I'm guessing Vince is already quite familiar with her work. I'm not sure about DAP, but uh, I just recently discovered the greatness of Lisa Hanawalt. What's the... T- uh, we've talked about her, like, four years ago, dude. Let's let's get Let's come to the table. Okay, dude. Well, again, sorry. Do you remember everything I've ever discussed on the show? I write it down. Yes, I do. Yeah, you yeah. do not. That was really bad. That's next week. What did I talk about in episode 237? Exactly. God damn it. Uh, no. No, really. Okay. I, I like Lisa. I think Lisa's what very did you funny. speak about then, Mr. Four Years Ago? Uh, it was one of her single issues. I don't remember the the name of it. Uh, but I've I've talked about her on multiple occasions. She's extremely funny, uh, and I like her her drawing style a lot. Yes. Okay. So. Yes. With all that said, and I think she has something to do with BoJack Horseman, which I've never seen. Yes. Correct. So, with all that said, Drawn and Quarterly just put out her newest book, "I Want You." But as I and I ordered this, um, kind of one of those things like. Looked at the DNQ solicit, thought, "Oh, this looks kind of this could be interesting." Didn't know much about her. Um, maybe subconsciously, I remember her name from you. Who knows? But yes, as you alluded, she's I guess best known, and my kids were like, "Oh, I know who that is." She was the designer and principal uh, illustrator of BoJack Horseman, which is a show looked like events. I have not seen it, but uh, my two teenage boys have watched every episode and, and adore it. So I, I, it's definitely one of those hits among the youngsters. Um, but yes, she was the, she was the visual architect of that show. Um, she's also got another Netflix show that she's created an executive producer called Tuca and Birdie, which uh, I also haven't seen, but I'm curious. Um, 
now that I've seen some of her comic work, and in particular, apparently, um, Tiffany Haddish is one of the two voices on Tuca and Birdie. So I'm, I'm definitely intrigued to check that out. But anyway, um, yeah, she, she is – this book, I Want You, although it is brand new, is actually a collection of her earliest work uh, back in about a decade ago when she was doing – a webcomic. Um, so this is a collection of that. And then she got a lot of acclaim um, for um, uh, Coyote Dog Girl two years ago, which was her OGN. I know that got a lot of a lot of buzz, uh, and I'm very eager to read that now after reading this. But but this is a collection. It's 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 just a collection of different drawings and cartoons and shorts and she is incredibly perverse um like in all the right ways and, and it's just a stream of consciousness sometimes it's it's a one-page illustration sometimes it's a mini comic and it covers the gamut from visually she plays with a ton of different styles i mean there are really like definitely detail super detailedly rendered uh like charcoal and ink wash illustrations there are uh, a lot of pages that look almost like a Richard Scarry novel. She's very fan. She's a big fan of anthropomorphic stuff, which makes sense since Bojack Horseman was a, you know, a, 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 a human, a humanoid being with a horse head. But um, um, she also does like really gritty, super tailed uh, work that like would have fit in fine in Mad Magazine. But um, but like just to give you an example of of like the kind of sick sick perversion that she's going for. She's also a big fan of scatology, so that's why I figured Vince would be into her. Um, <laughs> like, like there's a there's a seg- segment things we are uh, sorry we did last night, um, and the first one's like relatively mundane. We shouldn't have gone home with that guy, and it's a drawing of of her with a, a, a with a horse in her bed, um, and then it's like number two, our decision to cook was reckless. Again, relatively mundane, and it's it's her cooking and like burning herself. Then it's then it starts getting weird. Three, we don't remember how we got all of these welts. And she's got this battered and bruised body with uh, number indicators next to each of the injuries. And then <laughs> it's like, to the best of our knowledge, macaroni burns, <laughs> variola, variola-like virus, pussy stamp, <laughs> finger poking, shark bite. Um, and, and then you turn the page and it's like, number four, we made up some bad dances, like the mass murderer and the sproing. Uh, and you're like, okay, okay, we get it. Like it's cute, clever, and <laughs> it's and then it's number five. We track down all the people who come up when we Google ourselves and murdered them, wow. and it's pictures of her strangling people and 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 cutting people's throats, um, like killing horses. Um, it's crazy. And then you turn the page again, and it's her sitting in her house, listening to music, holding a beer, wearing. Uh, strapped to her head is a new hat she got, and the hat is a decapitated woman. Um, and it's like, and it just goes from there, like, like just, just, it's it's just pure, unbridled, crazy, unapologetic, um, you know, imagination. Um, there's a thing that almost looks like Al Jaffe drew it, and it's like the faux jackoff, and it's like instructions: pretend to have a penis. Step one. Step two: pretend to jack it off. And it's like just this dude like fake jacking off in his car and like you see these little kids in the car next to them at the tunnel just like aghast at what's going on. Um, (laughs) And then it's like potential problem. If you become aroused, your real penis will become erect and fill the space 
that your imaginary penis occupies. And then you'll be jacking off while driving. And it shows like cops pulling the guy over, you know. And then the next page is this like really detailed lifelike drawing of a horse only with these giant worm-like things coming out of its eye sockets and mouth. Like it's just, you don't know what you're getting with each page. It's darkly funny. Um, it's, it's silly. Like on one spread, there was a thing. It was like, get ready for fall fashion season. It was just these incredibly simplistic, almost like a, th- a third grader drew them figure, like line figures of people. But like, it's, it's a woman pooping into a, into a boot. It's a, 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 a dude who's got a boot jammed into his skull. It's, it's, it's just like, a, it's a guy throwing up all over a, fancy scarf it's she's just she's just letting it all yeah be out there um that kind of stuff uh, connects more on a non-verbal level that see when when you when you talk about it we're just like yeah this is this is my shit i gotta get this but as you experience it page by page it, it it impacts you on a on a uh and an area of the brain that doesn't use language. Right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, of course, but we, we do a podcast, so. Oh, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I totally yeah. get it. Um, but uh, it was fantastic. It really was. And it's, um, I don't even know how many pages. It's about 200 pages, I'd say. But just totally unexpected, totally off the charts. And the fact that this is the earliest stuff really has me excited to now go and check out um, Coyote Dog Girl. And she also did uh, a book called... Uh, my dirty dumb eyes and hot dog taste test. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do a deeper dive in her stuff because this this definitely uh, made it an indelible mark for me. Nice, nice, nice. And uh, before we close the book on this episode, I think we should throw another bone to our patrons because uh, there was a lot of responses <laughs> to the. I mean, there was a, 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 a. I'm still scrolling. There's a couple dozen. Yeah, and uh, we we have uh, Jeff Carter says that uh, he became an Ed Brubaker fan with Prez. Smells like Teen President. Wow, yeah. Yeah, Neil uh, Mignola's early work for Marvel uh, and DC. He loves, but Hellboy was the one that made him a fan. Uh, Brian Clark says Avengers New Avengers caused him to love everything that is Hickman. Let's see. John O says Mignola with Cosmic Odyssey. Wow. Okay. Uh, Batman <laughs> Gothic for Grant Morrison. Matt Kent Super Spy. Right. Um, Austin Ellis says Essex County and Jeff Lemire. My man. Let's see. Darren uh, Avengers New Avengers got him to follow Hickman, and he loves Warren Ellis for Planetary. Good man. Chavez. On Canny X-Men, Claremont and Byrne, <laughs> and Austin. Uh, you and about 62 billion other people. <laughs> but this is with the Micronauts, Bill Mantlow, Michael Golden, and he puts Pat Broderick in there. That's, yep. awesome. that's awesome. That's the shit. Dave McKean's Black Orchid. I think that's that's legit. That is legit right there. Ian loves Morrison's Doom Patrol. Yep. Rod says, um, Matt Kintz, Mind Management. Chris Revikant, uh, Jimmy Palmiotti, and Deadpool. That's cool, right? Jeff yeah. Bouchard, again, with the Essex County. What? Uh, Warren Ellis' Fell. Jeremy Bastain's Cursed Pirate Girl. Has he done anything else? Well, it's easy to be right or die when you only done one project. <laughs> yeah. 
Gabriel Hardman's Agents of Atlas for Jeff Bouchard. Wow. Excellent. Nice. Yes. Excellent, excellent uh, post. Um, Mike Delvecchio said The Woods made him a Tinian fan. Of course. Uh, Anthony G. Echo by Terry Moore. Okay. Tim B. Forever People number four by Kirby. I love you, Tim B. JLA for Morrison. Uh, yeah. Planetary number seven. Very specific, our Tim B. Uh, for Warren Ellis. Tim M. Frankencastle. Remender. <laughs> right? Yep. Uh, James Stoko. Orkstein. Again, what has he done? Uh, Excalibur's Alan Davis. I'm just being a dick. Uh, Brian Talbot and Technophage. I would love to stick my tongue right down Tim M's throat right now. You, right now. You mentioned Technophage. You have a, a tongue buddy. Um, Juan Manuel, Sandman by Neil Gaiman. And Morrison's Doom Patrol. Hassan. Marv yeah, see, I could have I could have just used Hassan's responses, I think. It's true. Uh but salmon salmon twitch for Bendis, really? Love it. That's great. Okay, I'll be on the record for saying his salmon twitch stinks, but okay. Um Aparo's bat- spawn fanatic. Oh no, it's bad, dude. It's bad. Um Jim Aparo's Batman and the Outsiders, Dave Gibbons on Brave and the Bowl, two hundred. What? Uh, uh let's see. Pete. Promethea made him a J.H. Williams fan. Awesome. And uh, Blankets by Craig Thompson for Jonathan Wilbur. That's a good choice. That's a choice. We get a lot of responses on the Slack, don't we? We do. It's a good place to hang out. It is. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Okay. Remember, I didn't even do the, the, the wind up on the DCBService.com, but... Uh, here's the, the specials, should you decide to peruse them. Stray Dogs, our buddy Tony Fleece, and uh, Trish Forsner, number one. 50% off that cover price, $1.99. Uh, sorry, I didn't get to talk about it. Dark Knight's Death Metal, shut up. Uh, $14.99 for the hardcover of all seven issues. And um, not least, but last, Fear Case, Matt Kent. And Tyler Jenkins, $1.99. If you would like to join us in areas other than the audio realm, go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit. We're there. Check out the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash 7 o'clock comics. In the meantime, say good night. Uh, 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 right. I'm calling the butler. Change me. I've soiled myself. David. Good night. Wow, you're cheating. Mm -hmm. I'm cheating. There we go. David, Mm -hmm. I also have to thank Tim M. Oh, nice. Because because I got a lovely um, Christmas card and a... um, and a really, really slick-looking Punisher. I love this. Um, it'll go very nicely with my Mr. Monster. I have to find... Uh, I have to get frames, because I know where they're going to go on the wall. I just got to get frames. Um, and he knows what he did. But I have a very special thank you, and I love you, and first drinks on me at Heroes to a Seneca Wilson. 
And what the hell is brother two? Nice. Family affair. I got to thank Rod. Our boy Rod. He knows why. I don't have to elaborate. He's a good man. He is. Yep. Thank you, Rod. What you got, Jason? Anything? Uh... (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand. What was that? (laughs) (laughs) Just, Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I love you. I hope so. <laughs> regardless of my action. Yes, regardless of the amount of Vic Sage I put in my voice. Thank you for being here with us. We love you so much. Come back next episode. We have a special planned. Uh, I won't let the cat out of the bag, but you won't have to wait until Thursday for the next one. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's so true. And you could thank our man, Jason Wood, for this one. Oh, well, we'll because if it was, if it wasn't for Wood, it wouldn't have happened. There we go. Well, let's let's hope it's all that we hope it is and more. It's not JH when it's third people, so settle down. No, it's not, not Roy Thomas making his triumphant return. Yeah, still waiting. The like, what's chair. the deal? Yeah, you and me both, but it's not Tony Fleece. So you, you are on that. You're just not slacking off. Yeah, You're no, actually... I'm... <laughs> no. Yeah. Do they not know the numbers we got on that episode? Listen, bro. I... Look, we don't need to. Get, we don't need to get into this right now. God damn, it's rough out there for a podcaster, isn't it? Oh Lord, seriously. I, I mean, it's rough out there for a podcaster trying to get a gentleman of a certain age with a handler to come back. Yes, yes. Aside from editing alter ego, what else does he have to do? I love him. If you, if you were a member of Facebook, you would see he's quite an active gentleman. Oh, no, he is. P.S. Art Books. He's got the whole thing going on. But, I mean, it, I don't want to get into it. But we worship him. He should come. Understood. Yes, he should come here. I don't him. think we're alone in, in our worship of him. Right. Who? I mean, come on. Come on. In due time. Good things come to those who wait. I hope. We're out of here. See you Tuesday. Oh, did I say something? Did I say something? That's it for that one. <laughs>